this is Zoe Thorogood, creator of It's Lonely at the Center of the Earth, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Savage. That was a savage. Call to arms, my friends. Rallying the troops. Oh, boy. I wish it, it, it worked everywhere but in this room. <laughs> People in Sheboygan are like, yeah! And Jason's just like, oh, let me see cross. You got the two over the five, making the seven. Jeez. The V-lookup action going. Unbelievable. Burning Blu-rays. I rebooted from that. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hey, and we did not reboot because it's the same old, same old here on 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 885. Damn. There's a nice echo there. Thank you, Jason. Yep. (laughs) He is perfect in every way. I would not change this motherfucker for a a, million dollars. We have it after 800 and No, episodes. I think we're stuck. I am Vince B. Thank God you are Vince B. Otherwise, I wouldn't know where I am. I am David A. Price. This is true. And, of course, I am Vince's favorite because I am Abraham Von Helsing. Oh, yes. You're not Van Helsing. You're Jason Wood, everybody. And it's the holiday episode, or at least the last episode before the holiday. And as usual... As it should be, we pulled in some family. You know who this man... Yes. <laughs> we got Tony Fleece this week. Hey, gang. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy to be here. Nice. Isn't it amazing it's- when we don't have to go through the laundry list of stuff you've done? It's just like, hey, it's Tony Fleece. Because everybody knows what you've done. Well, hopefully. Yeah. I and do. we can still talk about it if you like. <laughs> and what's nice is that, that, that Tony is the kind of family that isn't accused of sexual battery like Vin Diesel. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's true. Fingers crossed for me. <laughs> I think we're good here on on the West Coast. Nice. I'm jacking off in front of nobody. Mm. Oof. And this episode has been brought to you by you. Yes, you. The discerning buyer who wants to save a lot of money on their comic book stuff and you know where to go where the prices are low and that's cheapgraphicnovels.com cheapgraphicnovels.com even an outsider a rube could understand what you're going to get from this company cheapgraphicnovels.com you get your omnibus editions your trade paperbacks your club the your manga your ogns all that stuff art books everything for a fraction of what you can get it for elsewhere, especially Amazon. We did it. We did the little scientific experiment, and it turned out that cheap graphic novels, in almost every instance, was much cheaper than Incredible. Amazon. Yes. And remember the drill. I know we don't have a code, so Tony's going to say something, but that's okay. No, no, I, I had it explained to me. I'm fine now. Oh, nice. <laughs> Here's what. In your place? Yeah, he settled, he settled me right down. Sit the fuck down, please. Here's what you do. Fucking do it. You are going to place an order because, my goodness, savings, with an exclamation point at the end of it, you're going to get an email confirmation to said order, and you are going to reply to that email saying, 11 o'clock comics told me about this. And then Max is going to pat you on your little butt and say, well, my child, you can have free shipping on your next order. 
So you saved going in and you saved coming out. CheapGraphicNovels.com. Could not be more convenient. No. No, I placed another. Like, I can't stop. I can't stop. I placed an order uh, an hour ago. Yeah. Hmm. I got I got to email him this weekend. Stuff. Bought some Yodorowsky events. Pardon me? Bought some Yodorowsky. What'd you get? Today. What'd you get? Uh, I got, um, hold on a second. Let me, uh, one second do here. Did you get the White Llama? I did. Nice. White Llama's great. I got the White Llama and Son of the Gun. I knew it. I knew it. Yep. Those are two uh, very good works. Unfortunately, I don't have the collected editions of them. I have the individual volumes, so they take up a lot of space. I do have the Super Deluxe slipcase version of White Llama that we got at Heroes. What was oh. it? The last time we went. I paid like five bucks for it. Oh, but, that's awesome. Yeah. That's but my my White Llama is individual volumes. I'm not complaining because it's a great work, but I would like to consolidate a little more. Some might say you saved the llama for your mama. I did. I sure mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Know? It is the that's time. Cool. No, it's not cold. It's oh, just... that's a little digging over there. Well. <laughs> All I did was mention Winamp. Why did you sting me? Because I'm a scorpion. Oh. Here I have uh, from Susquehanna Brewing Company. That's local, by the way, in case you don't know. This was given to me uh, the first time I tasted it. This is the Beer of the Month Club. The first time I tasted it was about 10 minutes ago. It is called Boilo Beer. And it is uh, with secret family recipes passed down through the generations. Boilo is a whiskey punch brewed with citrus fruit, honey, herbs, and spices to warm the heart and brighten the spirits during the darkest days of the year. Enjoy this strong wheat ale inspired by the Yuletide traditions of our neighbors in Schuylkill County. Yodurbot, this one's for you guys. And they're 16-ounce cans, so Tony and I are going to be Putting the lampshades on in a little while, dancing. <laughs> it's very good, but it's spicy. Yeah, spicy. It's, it's wheat. No, I don't mean spicy as in, as in. Um, yeah, it's not hot. It's it's just like like this stuff that I just read is in there. It's different, you know. But it's not bad. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. Wheat, David. Wheat la coche. Wheat. Wheat. What you drinking, Jason? <laughs> well, in honor of it being the holidays, in honor of our boy being here with us, uh, I am actually having some alcohol. Yes. Nice. Good boy. And let me tell you something. Mark this down, folks. This is by far oh, one of the best wines I have ever purchased and brought to my house. Wow. Mm. Hyper and it's And it's reasonably affordable, too. <laughs> it's Vina Diezmo. It is a Rioja from um, uh, from Spain. Ooh. It's a Spanish blend, a Rioja. It is uh, the 2016 Reserve, and that's important because this just became drinkable. Like this, like if you bought this 2016 three years ago and opened up, you're probably like, oh, it's not that good because you get a little age. But anyway, it is ridiculously. It's so full body but smooth, and um, I think I mean depending on where your your local store is, I think if you could probably get it for like. Like twenty two, twenty four bucks a bottle. Mm. It's phenomenal. I'm telling you, 
this is the wine. If someone's like, I need a good house wine, like, what are those wines you guys are always talking about? This is the one. You're going to go and find this, assuming it's readily available. Nice, nice. Jason, this will make you giggle. We went to a Christmas party earlier in the week, and um, my wife and her work associates and one of her one of her coworkers came up to me and she says, "Do you know wine?" I'm like, eh, "I know some wine." Why? She goes, "I bought this bottle. I want to know if it was any good." She goes, "I paid forty dollars for it," and I'm like, "Honey, what you paid for that wine is what I pay for three bottles of the stuff that I buy." <laughs> so I said, "Yeah, nineteen crimes it didn't do the time." Yeah, I said, "Yeah, it's probably a pretty good wine," and I looked at it and it was it was uh, gray. I thought you were going to tell me it was Inferno. No, it was gray. It was a cab. It was very, very good. No, Apothic's not that expensive. I know. I I thought that was going to be the joke. Like, she's all proud of herself. She paid, like, twice what she should have. No, 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 no. And the whole time, her cleavage is dancing in front of me. So I was trying to keep her on the the spot, you know? Yeah. Okay. What's your drink, Tony? Well, from John Dewar and Sons Limited in Pertonshire, Scotland, Dewar's... White Label Blended Scotch Whiskey, established 1846. Very popular whiskey. Winner of over 500 gold medals. It's a lot. That's a tremendous number of medals. Yeah. Really? Well, I mean, since 1846. I don't know how many years that oh, is. Oh, so it's not that impressive. Yeah. Well, it's more than 100. It is more than 100. <laughs> Very good. Maths. <laughs> it's not 11 o'clock maths. No. That's right. It's true. 11 o'clock formulae. And Dap, what are you drinking? Uh, tonight, advent calendar from the Bartesian, 12 Days of Bartesian, uh, <laughs> was a mistletoe margarita. Oh, there you go. Which is a nice little tequila-based drink with uh, notes of uh, pomegranate and uh, the you know the holiday baking spices are kicked in there so, so it's it's really good what do you got to keep putting it back in the like cuz you can't put a actual margarita glass under the bartesian right uh no you you can um but this is uh this is actually served in a uh in a low ball um oh oh there you go and it's actually yeah in one of my uh in so, one of my fancy glasses so it's like a mini margarita I mean, the alcohol... Diminutive. Diminutive. Tiny. It's just... It's easier to handle this way. I'm not... Sure. Is there a a Borg cube in there? Yes. Nice. Because it's a... uh, It's a... NCC1701D lowball glass. You got to assimilate that drink. Thanks to a very good friend, I have a, a, a whiskey decanter and four glasses... Uh, all as if they were hanging out either um, well, hanging out in, in, in the captain's suite on the Enterprise. Nice. But I, oh, now, now what I want to get, though, I want to get something to put above the, the little cabinet, something like a, like a, a 10 forward plaque or something. Oh, nice. Nice, yeah. Nice. I went to a Comic-Con with a guy that made like custom decanters, you know, like you put like Yu-Gi-Oh on them or okay. you put your logo on. And I tried to get him to make a decanter with J. Jonah Jameson screaming my decanter on the decanter. But uh, he did not. He didn't think that would be a popular seller. <sighs> the, the humor according to Tony Fleece. Is that famous among Spider-Man heads like you guys? Remember when J. Jonah Jameson was yeah. curious about his decanter? Yeah, that's called back a ways. I think about it all the time. 
Anytime someone, really, really anytime anyone brings up a decanter, I think. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's really we all have something like you know, like a pen, like yeah. a like a pen. There you go. <laughs> all right, boys. Why'd we come here? Because you got some books to talk about. Yeah, gotta we discuss got some comics. Yeah, talk about some comics. Um, a lot of comics. I know, let me see what I want to do here. Uh, should, I don't want to get this out of the way, but one of the things um, I know Jason read this. I'm not sure about uh, David and Tony. I didn't check the list, but Jason, we could talk about this super briefly if you want. Okay. But I read GI Joe 302. I was very eager to read this book. Because, so say we all, right? Yeah, because yep. the the D- David, did you read it? I did. Nice, because the developments in the first issue. Full disclosure: I'm not a huge GI Joe aficionado, um, and I'm not sure if the book ever got this weird. But this take or this go around with the Joe seems a little a little weird to me. Like mm. there's a lot of comedic elements in it and and there's just an overall wackiness to the book that I don't know how this is going to land with the traditional Joe fans, which is why I want Jason to tell me what he thought of, of it. Because I'm reading it and I'm thinking, this is fucked up. This is just some <laughs> weird shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how the, the traditionalists are going to. Uh, I, I, I think... Um... I, I think it was pretty. It was pretty deflating. I thought. Uh, I felt it was slight. I, I, exactly. I didn't realize it. it was. It was. It, it was over real quick. That's a great word for it, Dap. That you took. It. It. It just felt like. I mean, I'm. I'm all for Hama writing for the issue because, right? Like that's the whole point. But like, this felt like reading like a Sunday comic like strip, and you're like, you know, you get a couple panels, and it's like, stay tuned. I and I think the comedic stuff too, Vince. You know, I mean, as much as I'm a GI Joe fan, I haven't read massive chunks of GI Joe comic. So um, once it went to other publishers, so I don't know if the comedy's regular. But I mean, it's Hama writing all these issues, the same writer, right? So I, I right. assume that it, that it that he's he's funny sometimes with it. But um, and then, you know, to be fair, there were always some silliness. It was a children's cartoon. I mean, there were always some like corny cheesy like lines and humor but right but um i i also if i'm being honest i know i mean we sang the man's praises left right and center last month when the first when 301 came out i i mean i think moody him looks good here i but i i don't think it looked nearly as crisp as the first issue well one demerit for the panel duplication yeah yeah no that's what i mean like i i and and again i'll try to put the dude on blast when we 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 you know, I, I, last last month, I was banging the gavel, saying he's, in my opinion, the be- he may already be the best GI Joe interior artist we've ever had. But, um, and it, again, it's still good. But he set the bar with three hundred one, and to me, three hundred one looks like him saying, "Oh my God, I'm gonna I'm gonna crush this. Like people aren't gonna be ready." And then three hundred two was, "I got to make a monthly deadline." So I see what you're saying a little bit, but. Um... I think he had the raw material in the first issue to go all out. A lot of the scenes in the second one, I mean, are Arlington. What are you going to do with Arlington? It's true, right? It's just tombstones, and then and then it was in the 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 cabin with with Scarlet and and Snake Eyes. 
there wasn't a whole lot of, of visual real estate he could chew up. I think that was more the script than it was his doing. If you know, uh, I, I have questions though. I may not have answers. I mean, uh, why? Why is Snake Eyes speaking? What's up? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I do remember that all happening, but I, I can't, I can't put, I don't. I don't so he that. talks now. Yeah, yeah but I, mean, I, I think he always could. It's just no, yeah. right? I'm sure he always could. It was just like you know, That's yeah. What is it, Rishikaje yeah. or whatever uh, clan? But, uh, yeah, I get it, but it was just seemed like they're they're they're, they're late, and I thought, okay, Scarlet's gonna gonna narrate the or, or dialogue this whole scene, and then I get to it, and it's like, yeah, he's talking. And she's like, not now. For now, we have the sex. <laughs> no, I thought this issue was really good, though. I I laughed. I really really laughed out loud when Serpentercon's like, we're gonna launch ourselves at Cobra. We're gonna overtake them, and then this woman in a fucking jazzy raises her hand. Yes, <laughs> this is a uh, 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 Mister Serpentercon. I have a question. He's like, go ahead, ask away. <laughs> It's like this this massive evil villain is rallying the troops and a woman in a jazzy has to ask a question. <laughs> he said a jazzy. See, this is this is how you know we've been doing this for a while. He said jazzy. Yeah. No, I, I thought the, it was fun. I, 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 and to be totally honest, I like this issue better than the first in terms of story. Like the first one was what, what, what I expected it to be. Go, Joe, America, the, the planes and the, ta- and the, the hardware and, and the... You know, the mobilizing the group and, and showing what they can do. And this one was more accessible to someone who hasn't been reading G.I. Joe for as long as Jason and, and most other fans of the property. The uh, I, I, I appreciated a little bit of um, the recap slash origin of uh, of Wade, since it was supposed to be a big deal that, that, uh, that he died in the previous issue. It's nice that um, following the funeral, um, somebody else on the team asked why they did that, and, and, and Stalker was there to let everybody know why. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was an island full of smart zombies. The Cobra Commander talking about why he skipped out, the origin. And and then the cabin. It wasn't. It wasn't. And and it wasn't like. Well, don't forget the, the bat. Scenes. The bat section was cool. Yeah, sure. I I always love a sketchbook. Um, but the uh, it just it, it was from one scene to the next. Like we didn't we didn't once we went back to once Stalker talked. It's not like we went back to check out what Serpentor or or how things are going in Springfield. It 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 just it was. It, Beat by beat, and it, it, I, I just after as as uh, action packed as the previous issue was, um, this was we got a little bit of a breather, but it just, like I said, we got to the we, we we got to that final page in the cabin when when Snake wants to tell Scarlet something, and 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 she's like, not right now, and and that's the, the, end of the issue. It was yeah. just oh well, yeah for them, but not the, for us. But the it was just sex. yeah. Um, well, I don't know how risky they're going to frisky they're going to get with the with the, with the pup on the uh, on the. Well, bed it's window, a wolf. Whatever, it's a wolf. It is. Um, the 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 pacing me was like they're taking a whole page to fold a flag, but 
I it's, remembered what book this is. Yeah, yeah, no, that, and, was, that and was absolutely. They take this yeah. stuff very seriously. They did that yeah. at my dad's uh, funeral. They they folded the flag and gave it to my. And mom. respect to to, to Mooneyham because I don't. I mean, he, he mentioned in the back matter in the previous issue that you know he wasn't big on GI Joe, and I don't. I don't remember if he said anything about any family being in the military, but I mean, he did take the time to if 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 he didn't know. If he hasn't witnessed this firsthand, he he obviously checked out some videos and on on the proper procedure to to do this. So you know, I I, right. I respect and appreciate him taking the time to to show off his his wares in that regard. But um, it just like yeah, it it was it. I said it just it was over practically before it began. It felt to me. Wow. So I guess I'm I'm in the minority because I thought it was. I mean, I'm I'm coming back for next issue, but this one just wasn't as I. The, I'm not saying the momentum stalled, but it just wasn't. I I I, I guess I just that's on me. I, I kind of just wanted more out of it. Yeah, it's it's wacky as hell, and and I didn't. Yeah, expect I mean, that. Yeah, I didn't say I'm with that. I mean, I mean, I'm gonna get the next issue too. I just I just thought for me it was. I mean, you you set it up Vince with your opening angle, which was what is like the average Joe fan gonna think? Um, I mean, I think from a commercial perspective. I don't see this increasing the Joe audience. I think not that it was necessarily designed to, right? I mean, it's 301 and 302. So it's, it's by definition, a lot of continuity built in, but, but someone that's maybe just curious because oh, Kirkman and image and Skybound have it now. Let me check it out. Like, I think if, if they just picked it up, unless they're of a certain age that they're used to the, like we were, where you just pick up a comic midstream and just try and figure out what's going on. Like it's, it's, pretty steeped in inside baseball that you're like, I don't know what's happening here. So, um, but to be fair, that's not the upcoming books are about, right. Creating a new universe. So like the Energon universe stuff will be from jump. You'll, you'll, you'll learn about them from the beginning. So that, that'll be really theoretically the, the avenue for new readers in as much as there will be some. Yeah. Well, Dave got some of next week's books this week and Duke number one was among them. And while I couldn't buy it, he allowed me to look at it. So, um, well done. I think, I think you'll be, yeah, you'll Tom be Riley. Uh, yeah. I read it. I read it. Oh, yeah, we got the, the preview. Yeah, yeah. Nah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, the preview on the back of Transformers look great. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Riley does a really nice job with it. Um, uh, the, the visuals looked great. Oh, well, I guess we'll save that for when we talk about it. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not. No, no, no. I'm saying look, the visuals look great. I mean, the the, we'll, the you know the, the plot is the plot. I don't think there there wasn't a lot of heavy lifting there. You know, it's an it's an origin story, so it's just right. Well, I mean, I'm locked in already. So the Duke Cobra Commander, the rest of the Joe stuff, like I'm I'm not going to separate anytime soon because uh, that's a recipe for disaster. Because mm-hmm. as soon as you know. Uh, I, I'm not feeling a book. Oh, it automatically gets better. They, it's like they know I don't get it anymore, and then they they ramp. All right, he's gone. Ramp it up. Let's get something going here. Vince, I think uh, the answer to your question is that this is not Snake Eyes. It's the new Snake Eyes. Mm. What does that even mean? Well, I'm reading here, and again, this is I, I mean I didn't know this because I wasn't keeping up with the book, but uh, the OG Snake Eyes uh, is dead. He can, he killed he sacrificed himself. Um, so his apprentice, who used to be known as Kamakura, in fact, I just got the classified figure a bit a couple months ago, um, Sean Collins be- took, o- took on the mask, and he's Snake Eyes now. Oh, okay. Because he was even talking at the, at the 
the cemetery. It's like, no, yeah. shut up. Yeah, I mean, we didn't see his face, obviously. There's obviously in shadows, but yeah, he was talking there. Um, and it's nice to know, I guess, uh, I guess Scarlet's like Black Cat. I just want to see somebody in the uniform. I don't care who's wearing it. Right. And again, like, I, I mean, I'm sure someone listening that's, that's more up to date on like might have some information. I, I'm, it is kind of creepy that Scarlet's banging. <laughs> Also in the in the flash or in the cabin scene though where they show her bank like they also um like they they, they have his face uh, shrouded as well yeah. so this could be the OG Snake Eyes in his talks now but there was a period in the IDW run where the original Snake Eyes died and Sean Collins became Snake Eyes I don't know if that's I could be wrong that that's not what's happening right now though so if anyone's more up to date on the Hama continuity please let us know why snake eyes is speaking there you go well at any rate i felt it was well worth my 3.99 so that's all that matters right it's true yep yeah so now what do we have should we swing it around to fleece let's see what he was reading absolutely well, let's talk about something we can all talk about together. I read the Hellboy. I read so many comics today uh, in anticipation of this. Usually what happens is uh, I'm just working right up until the minute we record, and I'll like take an hour beforehand and cram whatever came out that week. But today I was just like, you know what? I'm caught up-ish. <laughs> Let me sit here, and I got grabbed a big stack of books, and I read like 10 comics and a wow. graphic novel. Love it. Yeah, I really had a full day. Um, so let's talk about the Hellboy. We could talk about that little Christmas comic action. Do we have more than one Christmas comic this episode? We actually have more than one Hellboy comic this week. Yes, yeah. incredible. Yes. Uh, do you do you want me to set up the the Hellboy Winter Special, which is yeah, called... you do. It. I do better at just uh, commenting. I'm not really as good of a. You're not a play by play guy. You're a color guy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Dennis Miller. So it, it's Oof. called the Hellboy Winter Special. The Yule Cat is written and illustrated by Matt Smith. Written and illustrated by Matt Smith. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, color art by Chris O'Halloran. We know him. We love him. And it's it's a flash, obviously a flashback because Hellboy's in it. Um, so it's 1990, right? And and Hellboy has a bad feeling. He's he's got an inkling that something is amiss in of all places Reykjavik, Iceland. <laughs> And, uh, you know, could it be the fact that he once held Thor's hammer have anything to do with, uh, you know, this this long distance intuition? Maybe, maybe. Mayhap, yeah. Mayhap. Anyway, his friend, Professor Larusson from the University of Iceland, jumps on the fact that Big Red is in town. And he kind of asks him to check out this rash of recent events. You know, it may or may not involve what could be. The wor- He's like, I'm not saying. I'm just, just saying. <laughs> it could be a giant cat, may not be a giant cat, but you know, just be prepared. Uh, the thing is called Yola Katorin, and it's a it's a mythological giant cat that would eat lazy children that didn't work hard enough to earn new clothes to wear on Christmas Eve. So it's heartwarming, right? Mm. And sure enough, Hellboy crosses paths with the giant cat and is whisked away to the interior of Iceland where he quickly encounters the real horror behind the beast. We'll, you know, maybe leave that. A flash from Hellboy's past, you know, maybe uh, the birds are not what they seem. Uh, and Kate gives Hellboy a Christmas present. And I'm kind of downplaying it because the real payoff is what happens 
when Hellboy's whisked away to this this yeah. area, and and I don't know, it, it it's like this is the punch. So to reveal that would kind of take the wind out of this issue, I think. But um, now, Tony, what did you think of this? Uh, I thought it was great. Uh, I had never. I don't think I. Well, no, Matt Smith did uh, a monkey brain thing that I read. So I've read his writing before. Um, but I thought he did a great job just sort of picking up. And I know he's been drawing Hellboy for a while, but I didn't know he'd, he'd written stuff too. Um, looks great. Reads great. I have been to Reykjavik, Iceland, and this fucking looks just like it. Wow. You've so, been there? Yeah. Great job on that. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Like, it's 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 uh, a big city for Iceland standards, but it looks like just like uh, in Disneyland when they have like a, like a city. You know, it's just like a, maybe 30 buildings or something. I'm, I'm downplaying it a little bit, but it is a real small town vibes in the in the middle of this, huh. you know, snowy countryside. Yeah, we, I went there. Uh, we saw the Northern Lights. It was great. Uh, and you you got it. it were, did you? I heard when you go to the uh, to swim in the in the natural springs, though they're like super strict about making sure you shower before and after. Did you experience that? I did, I did shower before and after. Yes, well, I swam in the natural springs because my my buddy's uh, my my buddy and his family went, and their son, like preteen son, didn't want to. He, you know, he didn't want to do that because he was like kind of creeped out by it. Yeah, and they were like, wouldn't let him go in. They were like, no, like you have to shower first. Yeah, where are you going yeah, naked? There are rules in Iceland. You know, you don't have to be naked, but you have to when you go into these natural springs in Iceland. Um, I guess to keep it pure, you have to shower before you go in, even though you're in like a bathing suit, and then they make you shower after, almost like you're like de like decontaminating you. Wow. The real secret of Iceland, what I discovered, is seafood soup. Everybody's gets pretty similar everywhere you go, but everybody's got a different take on it. So I had a ton of seafood soup in Iceland. It's well, like, I, a, like a cream base, and then they'll have different oh, seafood. Oh, I'm out. I've never been to Iceland, though, but I always wanted to go. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, let's, uh, let's, for your 60th. Yeah, 11 o'clock Iceland. Iceland. <laughs> what? Hey. They have a museum of penises. Oh, to. nice. Yeah, well, Jason will enjoy that. Person's penis in a jar. They all yeah. have a penis. Jason, it's your thing. I guess they, by definition, were showers, not growers. Or <laughs> they had all different kinds. They had little cherry tomatoes. They had everything. Cherry tomatoes. <laughs> cherry Dude, tomatoes. That is something no man ever wants to have his penis referred to as a cherry tomato. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I don't know. Cherry tomatoes are pretty damn delicious. Yeah, you know, you got to sacrifice something for. Wow. I'm cherry just, tomato. <laughs> I, I think that was the sea color. We got the color commentary in, in the cherry tomatoes. I'll, I'll be totally honest. Uh, here's my process. Whenever um, I read something for the show, I fire up the OneNote and I put the title and I put the creative team and I type it all out and then I, you know, do a little bit of a synopsis. And for this issue, I'm like, okay, written by Mike Mignola, art by, and mm. I'm reading it and I'm like, wow, this is pretty, pretty damn good. But you know, typical for Mignola. And I just happen to glance back at the contents page and I'm like, holy shit, Mignola didn't write this. Which which that's if you can be seamless and yeah. as good as the guy that usually does it, that's a win. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I concur. I mean, I one of uh, so okay. So the, one of my favorite things about the Mignola verse or Hellboy verse, whatever you want to call it, is that you can absolutely almost to a story just read the story. And yep. sure, it's clear there's history there. It's clear there's illusions, like you said with the Thor's hammer. You get the little footnote. But it just stands on its own. And, like, I feel like no other universe does that so well with any size, right? Like, 
one sh- they do more, more one shots than anything and like those one shots are just great little stories and they're not complex right like they're not, they're not like it just it's just a little quick almost like fairy tale or allegory and you're in and out and it's just like yeah that's cool man like i feel fully satisfied i got my i got my hillboy on strong this week, i right? myself uh, am a lapsed hellboy reader i'm i probably dropped off back in like well definitely while Mignola was still drawing it wow uh, so, all, it was probably the last Mignola, and I didn't jump over to when Duncan took over. Uh, but I always pick up the holiday specials because I love Hellboy and I love holiday specials. And the last ones, both of the, the last two I got were Adam Hughes. So that was that was automatic no matter what. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this one was great, too. They're, they're all, like you said, like you can just pick them up. It, I haven't read it in probably 15 years. But I can just jump in and, you know, yeah. know exactly what's up. Yeah, How much yeah, does yeah, it we, cost to have Adam Hughes illustrate an entire comic? Well, I think he does like one a year. So, but I mean, from the publisher's uh, point, like how how much is that? Like that's got to cost more than than like say, you know, more than me. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, not for long, uh, but yeah, I, yeah. I think uh, you know he probably charges an okay rate. You know, like he has relationships with these people, and then then the real money he's going to make is on the back end because Mignola does pay a good back end to to the. Um, the people that work on Hellboy books, um, and then on the original art too. So he probably does pretty good on the on the page rate, like you know, better than most people. And then there and then there's more money on the back. When are we going to see yeah, the I mean, fleece? Pages would be Hellboy. ten grand a piece at least. Yeah, I want to see some fleece Hellboy. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> I don't need that kind of pressure. I'll be I'll, I'll be over here making up my own Hellboys. Okay. Be that way. I like it. He's like, fuck that. Yeah, he's got. The, he's like, like DWJ. I got my own IP over here, son. Like, I got my own. Nah, nah, not doing that. Yeah. My own cats. But uh, Jason had a good uh, segue in saying that Hellboy, as of late, usually appears in these these e- very tasty, easily digestible chunks, and that is a good way to explain Giant Robot Hellboy. Yes. Mm. Written by Mignola. Illustrated by the great, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic when I say great, Duncan Figredo. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah, fantastic. Hasn't lost a step either. I have always, always just found so much to appreciate in Figredo's art. Agreed. A very unique voice. Um, Looks like a classically trained illustrator. Um, Oh, why do you say that? Because he has... has, um, a line that is very accurate, um, but not restrictive. You know, he he knows where all the pieces are. It, he, it looks like he had has a lot of figure drawing under his belt, like live model figure drawing. He's uh, you could just tell by by the the way he draws the human anatomy that he knows what happens when people move and and turn and stretch and bend. Um, he knows how to work clothing um, very well. He's great with with as we saw in this giant monsters um atmospheres locations uh flora fauna the whole thing like it just he 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 has a um like a, a maxfield parish kind of approach where everything looks like it should look but it's not rendered to the point of of he he doesn't suck the life out of the line there's there's a pulse and a heartbeat to it but it's it's dead on like it's right he gets everything right 
I always sort of think of him as like a, a, a more realistic Jack Davis. I see Davis in his line, yeah. Because yeah. my first, like he did Vertigo stuff before this, but the first time I saw him was uh, when he did that Jay and Silent Bob miniseries. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I just remember that, like the characters were incredibly well rendered and like the anatomy was all perfect, but they were also like stretchy and then like had like comedic takes and reactions and stuff like that. And he still does that sort of stuff. Like his fingers are always doing sort of like cartoony fun stuff, you know, like yep. you see him when he draws people, they're always just sort of like having a, some sort of reaction. They're not just standing there. I think that's a really smart point that um, you just made. I think for Grado, were he born a lot of years prior to his original birth date, would have worked very well within the the usual gang of idiots. I, I oh, think sure. I think he's got there's druckerisms in his work. Um, you know, he a lot of Jack Davis, and uh, if you can hold your own shoulder to shoulder with those guys, man, you you have chops. But uh, we were saying. Uh, another contemporary artist in whose work I see a lot of Jack Davis is um oh my god I'm 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 old I'm old because I f- I can't instantly remember his name um uh, urban barbarian um Panosian yeah Dan Panosian yeah, yeah. worships at the altar yeah. and I'm I swear I'm 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 like touched in the head because it was there as I brought it up, I'm like, oh, I'm going to talk about Dan. And then it just went away. Like, what's happening? But anyway, yeah, Panosian has a lot of, of Jack Davis in his work. And to, to his credit, like, how many people can successfully pull off a unique visual voice but make, you know, experienced uh, audiences think, wow, this has got a lot of Jack Davis in it. Like, how do you do that? You're good. You're just good. Yeah, you're damn good. You're yeah. just damn good. So what is Giant Robot Hellboy about? <laughs> this is, again, <laughs> like CheapGraphicNovels.com. It's right there in the title, Giant Robot <laughs> exactly. Hellboy. Um, Hellboy's set up, and he's drugged, and he's he's spirited oh, away. What kind, of, what kind of serious amount of, of trank do you need to, to knock out Hellboy? Not only the, the, the trank, but the dart has to be pretty damn yeah. resilient, too. Like, so, so he's drugged, and he's taken to this uh, installation somewhere in London. And this is a 60s story. So it's like 1967. Yeah, baby. Yeah. And um, hooked up to all these wacky gizmos. He's got this this weird uh, helmet strapped uh, to his head. And, and his consciousness is patched into a giant robot. Hilariously fashioned to his unique physicality. <laughs> and the robot is on an island off the coast of Africa. So they're somehow beaming. This is 1967. They're somehow beaming his his brainwaves to Africa from London. Like, okay. And, uh, you know, they fire up the robot to patch him in. And giant robot Hellboy puts up a pathetic defense against a giant Komodo dragon-looking looking monster. And it's Godzilla. I mean, not really. it's unnamed but, Godzilla. Yeah. And so meanwhile... There, there, there are issues with the the transference, like in Pacific Rim. It doesn't always go smoothly. Right. So um, there's this mysterious agent named GN, and she's infiltrating this bunker on the same island. So there's stuff going on above with Hellboy fighting this giant monster 
thing. Uh, little giant robot Hellboy, because it's not really Hellboy, but it is. And she's below in this bunker, and, and the place is just littered with dead people and giant spiders, and, and she's looking for a vault. Uh, but the vault turns out to be empty. So the the science squad up topside, they're, they're figuring out the problem, and, and Hellboy's consciousness is getting more acclimated to the robot, so he doesn't suck as much. And the science team literally gives Hellboy a, a helping hand against the monster, and they augment the robot from London, and they give him finger guns and chest missiles and a Fist of Doom flamethrower, and it's awesome. It is amazing. And he's just all-out giant monster action, right? And Hellboy barbecues that initial monster, but he's soon triple-teamed by a giant mantis, uh, centipede-looking multi-appendage sea serpent, and a massive octopus. They're all all throwing down. And there's like... It's neat because it's it's rampant action like all over the place, but there's stuff going on beneath the surface, literally, in the fact that there was something supposed to be in the vault. It's enkelidite. And I had I remembered the word, but I had to do a little bit of research and it popped up in BPRD nineteen forty eight. There you go. So if you're a, if you're a, been reading this stuff for a while, there there are little Easter little nuggets in here that's like, oh yeah, remember that thing that 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 makes monsters and can rip a hole in in space? Well, that's the stuff they're looking for here because obviously shit's going on on this island. Like, where does a giant praying mantis come from? It just doesn't appear. We're talking massive praying mantis. So Hellboy's beating the crap out of these monsters and. GN has, which means ghost, by the way, uh, translates to ghost. She's got agenda of her own, right? She steals some documents on the sly, gets attacked by a really giant spider. Giant robot Hellboy loses an arm and wigs out back in London. But again, there's ties to even the Hellboy Winter Special in this. because So Hellboy's separated from the robot. His consciousness is separated from the robot. But the robot continues to beat the crap out of these monsters. And there are flashes of entities that have appeared in the Hellboy mythology previously. I'm not going to say what, who, who or what they are, but just read this to find out. So there's something going on. There's always a ghost of the past in a Hellboy story. You can't get away from it, Right. The in in the winter special, there are, there are whispers of of Hellboy being somehow uh, linked to Thor's hammer, and in this, there's a driving force behind the robot that's not Hellboy, but could be someone from Hellboy's past. Like, where did they come from? Was Hellboy carrying them within himself the whole time? Eh, you got to read it, but it's only three issues. It's like, hit it, please them, and done. It's like the perfect radio single, right? It's a crowd pleaser. We're, we're out of here in three, and we've left you wanting more. And man, this issue is just, I really hope that they do. They probably won't. But if there were, was ever an opportunity to do a beautiful, slim line hardcover, of a th- mm-hmm. like this is the perfect thing. Because I think not only is the story a whole lot of fun, 
But for Grado's art, like you should preserve this shit in hardcover because man, illustrators of the future are going to go back to this guy and be like, this dude had it going on. Like it is just amazing. The, I'll be honest, the visuals are 80% of this book. Wouldn't you say? I mean, well, in as much as the, it's a very simple story, sure, yeah. I mean, I guess that's fair. But but I think there's a talent to Mignola that he can that he continues to make these short, simple stories that you can, you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I think it's like I know that I'm not going to say Mignola and Mark Miller are the same, but like I think, but no, but I think I think, but what they what they both do, at least in this kind of format, is they just tell a simple story. Like it ain't that deep. Like here's what's happening, and we're gonna draw the fuck out of it, and you're gonna have fun reading it. Like that's it. Like there's no layered nuance that you need to like decipher. And I, you know, I love books like that, but if they're well executed. But I mean, I just think Mignola just sometimes is like I got a three issue. Like that's what's cool about it, right? Like he, he does the one shots. He'll do like he just sits down and thinks, here's the story I want to tell. How many issues do I need to tell it in? Like there's no like right, right. It has to be six issues, right? Or it has to be a twelve issue maxi series. Like it's like he's just like, all right, I'm, this is gonna be three issues. I need three issues to tell this. That's great because. Well, there's a confidence to, you know, being Mike Mignola and having Hellboy and, and knowing that, like, you know, I can do it in three, I can do it in six. But, like, the brevity and the breeziness of these things, I think, is sometimes part of the charm, you know? like Absolutely, yeah. A lot of these yeah. ten, these, a lot of this giant stack of books I read today, some of them were so dense that you're just like, you know, they make these every month, you know? Like, like you can spread this out a little bit. I mean, I guess we're sort of... Like on the one hand, there's like uh, deconstructed or, or uh, decompressed storytelling, where people feel like they're not getting enough in an issue. But some of these ones, not Mike Mignola and um, we're going to talk about the Brubaker later. But I thought the Brubaker was like a, a masterclass in just like breezy fe- feels on the top breezy, but then has so many layers and such depth to it. Yeah, um, I, th- I think. Uh, Mignola does a great job at that stuff. I was going to call this three these three issues a, a, a delicious cheeseburger, but like not from McDonald's. Like call this like a Five Guys burger, right? Mm, because right. It's, it's tastier than the usual fare. It, it it's very satisfying. It's cooked on real flames. Yeah, and I mean you know it, it's it's elevated um, above the norm, but it's just good taste and feel good. Um, well, food slash comics, right? Yep. And I, I think that's completely satisfying to me. Like, I don't need you to remind me that um, you know, I don't need five pages on on the inner workings of this 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 base. Like, I like that kind of stuff. Um, I, I, unlike, like, I do not like decompressed storytelling because of the time I came up, where you got uh, usually yeah. a complete, very detailed story in almost every issue and then you know the direct market and trade paperbacks kind of kind of put the kibosh on that but i like it when i can get a chunky story and just like edenwood is like that have tony have you read any edenwood from um tony Uh, Tony daniel yeah Uh, i think i read the first one it's very dense and he's just throwing ideas willy-nilly into this story and i'm like 
you're going to run out of gas. I, I hope you, you're prepared to for the long haul because yeah. you are expending a lot of energy in these first two issues, creative energy, on all these things you're introducing into this story. I'm sure he's prepared, but that's what we were used to back in the day. Like, what are we going to do with this issue? All right, I guess we'll go to this planet and, and introduce an entire culture and, and the, just the way these these creatures live and work and, and then plus the, the main characters have to factor into the mix and the whole thing gets solved by the end of the issue and it's completely satisfying. Yes, this was three. I know it is a different time. So I'm, I'm, it, it is less than the, uh, less size than the typical miniseries. But I just thought it was like, wow, this is completely enjoyable and and on its own, uh, on its own merits, without being connected to too much else, aside from the fact that there's a mystery going on as to what was driving the robot when Hellboy was unconscious. Other than that, I mean, wow, what more do you want? A master illustrator, great storytelling, It's and it's not going to break the bank. It's three ninety nine an issue, so it was great. Yeah, I'm going to go check this out. You convinced me on this. I oh, might, it's... I, might, I might wait till the Slimline hardcover, but uh, I'm looking at pages of it online. It looks great. Yeah, the covers are way too good for current comics. <laughs> for Grado's, <laughs> just like, hold my brush. I'll show you guys how to do it. Very, very good stuff. Yeah. What else? Hell, Hellboy-O-Rama. Well, definitely there is a Hellboy-O-Rama this time around. <laughs> I was looking at the the because I don't have the entire run of BPRD. I, I sold a bunch of it, and man, you can buy BPRD in a in a multitude of different formats. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I bought the all I bought all the BPRD trades at a uh, a T fall sale. Remember back when T fall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got all of it then, and then I did I some hum some humble bundle that I got all the. Mignola stuff again like in digital so yeah I have it and then I mean we've talked about this before I have all the Hellboy library editions and I've only read the first one <laughs> sounds ridiculous but, but, but there are BPRD hardcovers yeah, yeah and then there are BPRD trade paperback omnibus yep. editions then back in the day there were obviously there were individual volumes the digital like if they're very smart Richardson is very smart in giving you a variety of options from which to choose. You don't want to spend, you know, big money on the library editions of the hardcovers here. Here's an omnibus for 20 some bucks. Like, and you get like 400 and some pages. Yeah. You'll win. Well, that's kind of what the trick is with publishing, right? Is you have, you know, you get a Hellboy, you get something like this that's, that's valuable. And then it's just about how many different ways can you package it? How many different ways can you sell it? Right. I mean, and a very timely thing to talk about as the, Fear Agent uh, hardcovers, Felix hardcovers came out twenty uh, fifth or twentieth anniversary hardcovers. And I'm yeah. thinking like, I own Fear Agent every way you can. Yeah. I own the issues, I own the trades, I From own how many the, different publishers even. Yeah, exactly. I own the hardcovers that he put out, and there's no. I was like telling myself, dude, there's no reason to buy these. You literally have this story in three different ways already. You do not need these. <laughs> but then I'm sitting there like, yeah, but like, I know they can be lit though. Yeah. I was looking at those uh, Invincible, the new Invincible trades they put yep. out, just like so beautifully designed. 
and I know that when the first, I was talking to Max about it when the first uh, season of Invincible came on, those omnibuses, the trade, the trade paperback omnibuses were selling like fucking crazy. Oh, nice. So they just they sold just like, those compendiums too, which is a really cheap way to buy it. Like if you want to read it, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, the ones that have like fifty issues in them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the ones that are selling like crazy. And then, but now season two comes out, and they have like a new format you can buy it in for people that jump on on season two. You know, smart. Well, that's good, you know, because uh, I'm glad Kirkman doesn't have to sell pencils. <laughs> I was going to say, like, like, I was going to say, right? I was make the same joke, like with the with the <laughs> Walking Dead um, colored issues. It's like, like I I don't. Like I don't even want to read it in color. Like I think so much of the charm is that like, but but like these color issues, it's like literally like he's just selling a new comic over again. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it's still it's selling many many thousands of like people are buying it, which I, probably a whole new audience is buying it, and reading it now because it's color. Well, the takeaway for me is that uh, David Finch n- never stopped because he's doing the covers, right? Aren't the covers yeah. by Finch? Oh, the Walking Dead, yeah. 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 They they yeah. move around. They have they have like chunks where they'll like somebody'll do them for like ten issues or whatever. Oh, okay. It's like remember me, boys, look at this. And the covers are just great. Yeah. Yeah. And then they do a recolor on the Adlard or the Tony Moore covers too. Right, yeah, they do. Crazy. Yeah. Just repackaging. Just taking your stuff and repackaging it. Yep. That's uh, I guess that's the name of the game. Yeah, man. I mean, the, so few people read comics, you know, on a month, on a weekly Wednesday situation like we do. It's about like capturing all these other people, you know, the whole rest of the world. So here's my problem or dilemma, I guess I should say. So I, I, I've become acclimated to the, the Wednesday mm-hmm. comic trip and uh, come home with a, a decent stack every week, 10, 11 books, right? And then months later, I'll look at the solicit for whatever, and I'm like, "What? I can get the entire trade paperback of something I paid seven ninety nine an issue for, for like fifteen bucks? Like how? What are you paying seven ninety nine for? Arcade Kings. That was the one from from Image. The the Arcade oh. Kings. And I was just I enjoyed the book, but it was seven ninety nine prestige format, and I thought it was worth the money per issue. <laughs> but then I'm looking at the the, the trade paperback. And I'm like, after discount, I, I could have got it for what I paid for like two issues and change. Like, so why did I buy those singles? Like, what was the benefit for me? And and I'm I'm doing that increasingly, but I, I it's I'm very reluctant not I'm very reluctant to abandon the single issue because of the fact that I get to go somewhere once a week. And hang around with, right. with with people. I the very few people on this planet I enjoy being around. So it's like, yeah. I but but you you. I think you're you're paying for the gas that drives the the boat, right? And all these trade paperback writers are just you know hanging on the the side of the dock looking at the scenery. <laughs> like that's what it is. But that's okay, yeah. I guess. Yeah, you're a part of a dying breed. Like, plenty of people are willing to just wait for the trade nowadays. I feel like single issue sales, especially you know lately, have have been dipping lower and lower. And so it is like a, a ton of people. You know, the trades do fine. You know, they don't do. You know, it's not it's not like the golden days. It's not it's it's not right. like the COVID times. But the trades do good. Uh, but yeah, pe- people are just sort of dipping on on single issues. Because uh, they do realize, like, 
you know, I could get this for the same price or less if I wait, you know, six months. Right. Well, it's like Jason, like the hype beast, right? So the hype beast. When, <laughs> when trans, how can you wait for the trade when you got books like Transformers and this GI Joe stuff and the the whole Energon universe? Like, who can wait for the trade on that? Yeah, I you would, want to be part of the conversation. Yeah, well, yeah. We cheat though. Because we get, I was going to say, yeah. I don't wait because I get we to read them for free. The tra- and then, well, you know, this way. So then, well, we, we read them as they come out, and then we're like, okay, now I want the nice collection on my right. shelf. But well, yes, yeah, yeah, so normal people, the, the, right. regular, the regular folks, the the, the fans, they should, they, they, yeah. I mean, we, we've we've had this conversation so many times. It's not up to us to save the industry. You you buy the format you want to read, but yeah, I mean, publishers aren't doing themselves any favors by the price of singles, and then writing so that it's made to be read in that format when it's finally collected. So it it's yeah. They they really need to do something to get people to want to buy the singles. At least with 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 Ed and Sean, they have the back matter in the back of they had the back matter in the back of things like criminal and and you know that made you want to buy those issues. And then yeah, I mean the collections are nice, they look cool on your shelf, but you got something extra. You got that instant gratification for buying it that Wednesday when it comes out. And yes, like Tony said now you can be you're not spoil hopefully you're not one of those assholes who spoil shit as soon as you read something but you can actually have conversations with other people who read it that week as well but then you got guys like Wes Craig who's doing stuff with Kaya that rewards the there single the single issue buyers cuz there's back there's there are backup stories in Kaya that aren't going to be reprinted in the trade paperbacks the same thing with Savage Dragon. Eric goes right. all deep on the letters pages. You're not going to get those in the collection. Yeah, and and he used to not reprint the stuff from like Savage Dragon Funnies and all that in the back, mm-hmm. but I believe he is now. But the the only thing you can't get in the trades are the letters pages and stuff. Local Man next week is different in the single issue than it is in the trade. We're doing that. Yes. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Explain. Explain. Uh, we're doing a thing with the flip that only works on the flip, uh, and we don't oh, flip badass trade. Good for you, Tony. Yeah. That, that's awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> I forgot to. Uh, I will probably have copies of it right now myself, but I've Image changed their their like operating system, where comps used to just be have to be like automatically sent to my house, and now I have to every month go and type my address into a spreadsheet. Oh, uh, you know why they do that? Because sometimes really? you're going to forget. Yeah. Wait, so are you serious? Yeah, well, I mean, but it doesn't save. It's not like it saves anybody any money. Like I pay for the comps no matter what. We talked about this before. But yeah, they they have. There's a new system for like doing your solicits and your comps. And so, oh, wait, so I hate to break it to you, do, but by definition, a comp should be free. So yeah, right, comps. it's in the name. <laughs> yeah. Short for complimentary. Yeah, it, it's, my, it's like Mike Mignola getting Hellboy comps. Like they're, it's just his anyway. Yeah. Oh, see, that's pretty meta. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. They don't like they don't send me a, a bill for them. It's just I pay for them. So like when Sylvester gets his stray dogs, it's it's a legit comp. But for that you, is true. Okay, right. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's not like the old days where if you worked at – because, I mean, we've known a bunch of artists that would say, like, yeah, I got my box of comps from Marvel, and I, I picked the stuff I wanted to read, and the other ones I, I bring down to the, 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 yeah. the Catholic youth organization. So it's not like those days when uh, someone working for the company would get a box of all of their output for a month. Like, that's not I what think, you – I 
think a lot of that stuff has moved to digital. Um, I have friends who are movie people and who had like Warner Brothers deals, and they would get DC comps more than like people that work at DC that I know. So that's crazy. I, I I'm not sure. I feel like it, maybe that's part of negotiations, or maybe they you know they just like to kiss famous people's asses. Right. Well, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Served us well. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. What else do we have, gentlemen? Vince, did you see the news that um, Spider-Man 2099 co-creator Peter David returns and the book next year is called Symbiote Spider-Man 2099? <laughs> I, I, I did see that. And you know what? I thought, I, wait a minute, I usually take pills for this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. There's for, there, there, there's going to... There's going to be a Miguel O'Hara Spider-Man 2099 five-issue series coming up. That's, I think, the bridge between this and, and, the, and the symbiote thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Shut up. Dude, I... I, I is the year of it, so I fucking love it. Like, no, it's... Awesome. I feel... I, 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 words cannot express how... Just coming home to the house of ideas. Enjoying a Marvel comic feels. I know. For, I know. It's, yeah. I don't feel that way with Superior, unfortunately. No. And and Spider, yeah, it's it's not. And then like Spider, like I don't care. I don't care about the gang war. Destroy no, all no. all of yourselves. Like doesn't matter to me. But if you could, if I have a little corner of that universe to play around in, I'm I mean, happy. You're not going to give two craps about it, and you'll sign whenever I bring it up next year. But I am looking forward to. Um the new Ghost Spider series because now Gwen is actually trapped, trapped in quotes, uh, on uh, on the six one six. She, I, I guess, she can't go back to Earth sixty five. But so, I so, wouldn't so, sigh. I, mean, I, I, I know, but yeah. it's it, it, you're not going to be interested. But it's yeah, still pretty but, much I mean, side. Like I don't. Know, I don't. <laughs> No, like if he if he said something like you'll hear the clicks, you'll hear some tapping on the keyboard. No, it, it depends on on the target. Like I, I I I'm not a huge Gwen fan. I I I just think she she muddies the waters a little bit of, on what actually makes Peter Parker special. But whatever, uh, he, she does. She's a money maker, so I can just shut up and go back to the cheap seats. Like that's that's the end of the game. Uh, she goes for money she, maker as well. I don't know if they make as much as as Gwen, but you know, make as much. But I mean, the, the the amount of books out there. I mean, so it doesn't matter even if Gwen's got one book and is making some decent coin. The, the, the Marvel's just like everything's a symbiote, so they're just you know just shotgun. Yeah, it was a little stupid to. I know we've mentioned it before, but like when everyone has a symbiote, symbiotes aren't special anymore. Like, why does Natasha need a symbiote? It makes no damn sense to me. It's just silly. It's silly and and redundant and and cookie cutter. Like I don't want to see it. So doesn't Natasha's symbiote have a cool name though? Widow. That's cool. Is it? It's, it's, <laughs> it's the same name. But I okay. If you put a very I'm easy. <laughs> if you put a very sculpted woman in a symbiote, okay, I understand the attraction. I get it. But it, it, in terms of like feeding my my intellectual needs for for, for these books, it doesn't do anything. For I think fleece is what we call a, a, a sure thing when it comes. like Sunday morning. That's right. Who doesn't care what happens to Flash Thompson? I do. I've known Flash for 
most of my life. Right? I care what happens to I am. You know, until until he became Venom, the one thing I remembered the most about Flash Thompson <laughs> that one issue of what if where it was Flash, I think Betty and the three other people. If three other pe- three other people who got bit by the spider and I always think about Flash's outfit because yeah. he he had the he, it was almost like the Captain Marvel mask where it was just you got to see his red hair but it was but it still had the webs and what I just I really like that I like when that that's one of the big appeals for me for for the alternate universe stories is to see the tweaks to someone's outfit and and just how how because I, I I just I like the design aspect of of certain looks and and when they they switch things up like quietly redoing the x-men outfits and and you got you know cyclops with this little like you know jordy laforge visor and 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 everybody's wearing the leather one i just it's 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 neat but i so getting back to it that's like that was it wasn't that he was a bully it wasn't that you know he picked on peter it was it was a a, a random story from a what if issue that's what i always thought about when i thought about the few times I ever would think about Flash Thompson, that was it. And then he becomes Venom, and he becomes a lot more popular years right, later. Yeah. But it's I, I uh, think they got to be they they need to be very judicious, very very um, cunning when it comes to the multiverse. Because Marv Wolfman, co-creator of the Teen Titans, will <laughs> will tell you. Set the intro. That he was paid a good amount of money to rectify those situations. Yes. Right? I mean, DC was loaded with alternate characters, alternate Earth characters or alternate universe characters. And they're just like, wait a minute. This is cumbersome. There's just too much. And, that's, and it was, and it's not like, and it was, it was doubly their fault because it's not like they just have different universes with the same characters. They just went and bought characters from other publishers. They bought the Archie stuff. They bought the the charlton stuff right and, and it's like so now you've just got all these extra characters like you couldn't just live with your own characters and just have them on different universes now you gotta fold and faucet and god knows who else and it's just and and yes it just yeah. it got it got ridiculous worst decision ever <sighs> captain marvel shazam does not belong in the dc universe no no it is not nope but and they uh, haven't done anything with them and they i mean they've tried obviously i mean they've did every, every couple of years they Someone has their Shazam story, and and but it never it never lasts. You just let Ordway handle Ord, it. Yeah, absolutely. Just let him yeah. do what he wants to do. Yeah, two fantastic blockbuster movies. <laughs> oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> Garbage. Shazam is not Power Rangers, guys. What are you doing? What are you doing? All right, um, let's talk books. Come on. There's plenty of stuff out there to talk about. Tony, what else do you have? Uh, I mean, you know I announced a book this week. It was crazy. We're going to talk about it like at the very end. I feel like we should start promoting. We don't have to. No, I'm trying no, to- we- hey, you got to put the work in. Do it. We'll get in the middle of book before we do that. Since oh. we're, if, we're, if we're in the promoting period of the show. Let's promote. A couple things. Number one. Yes. EOC logo 2024. Here we yes. Go. To, to, be, to be precise, it's not a logo. We already have one of those. Album art. Album art. My apologies. And then you're good. You're good. Album art. 
Uh, I mean, you bring it up, more, Vince. It's it, we 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 need the submissions, right? To those uninitiated to what the the album art is, I'm sure you know, but just just in case, every episode is branded with an image to let the listener immediately re- realize what they're listening to, as if the words the, or the audio wasn't enough. Do you look at your 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 iPod or whatever the hell you're looking at, your car dashboard or something, and you see this image come up? It's proportioned to a square, right? So what we need from from you, you creative people out there, is um, an instantly identifiable 11 o'clock comics image that we can slap on each and every episode in 2024. So that's not hard to do. I mean, you, you could do whimsical. You could do serious. You can do avant-garde. We don't care as long as it's cool. And what happens is we collate all of the submissions and we let our Patreon people vote on it. And they'll pick one or two. And we, the three of us, maybe even Tony this year, will deliberate as to which is the best. And they win. They win the grand prize. You get to come on an episode with us should should you choose to do so. But, I mean, the real gravy here is you create the art. That represents 11 o'clock comics in 2024. Sometimes we make product with it, hats and T-shirts. Sure. We've been we've been lax about that in the past. Uh, it seems the 11 o'clock comics logo is the one that that sells the most, so we just run with that. But um, there are other things we've done, but uh, that's still up in the air. And, and if you are the winner, you can decide whether or not we can do that. And, and under what conditions, but whatever. Proportionate to a square, which means you can do 4x4, 8x8, 12x12. I don't care. Just make sure it's 300 DPI resolution, uh, RGB, color space. That's it. It's all you need. To, those are the two restrictions, RGB, 300 DPI. Anything else you want to do is up to you. You want to recreate the logo? You think the one we have sucks? Go for it. You want to do a nice little pastiche with a character that kind of sort of looks like Spider-Man, but it's not. Remember, that's important. You can't use any characters that are owned by someone other than yourself. You want to make something up? A three-headed beast that resembles Jason, David, and myself with Tony's head bobbing close to the crotch area? You can do that. I mean, it's it's right there. Oh, it's so funny. He's bobbing right on the crotch <laughs> And and submit it to this the email address David will re- tell to you right now. Info at eleven o'clock comics dot com. There you go. Just create something. You people are damn creative. Um, we've had we have a long list of, of luminaries who have been the album art winners um, in the past. They're all just super talented people. Matthew Allison. Yeah. Daniel White, John Amore, uh, Jonathan, Gordon. Jonathan Gordon, uh, Zerzo G. Panalta, Kyle uh, Lefebvre. Yeah, just tons and, and ton. Tony, Trish, yes. I almost forgot Tony, holy shit. Uh, you know, iPod, iPod, my phone just still has mine on there. I don't know how, I don't know how. It's iTunes. weird. It's because freaking Apple. Apple. It, yeah. Because Spotify is fine. Everybody else is fine. It pulls it from Libsyn for whatever reason. Apple. I have to jump through so many hoops, so I'm hoping that once we pick the one for 2024, I can work on 
getting it's, it on iTunes a lot. I mean, it, no rush. It's 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 not a bad thing to have. Uh, no, it isn't. Uh, I love Trish and Tony, I mean, I love and yeah, right. But the thing. only thing that bothers me is it says twenty twenty two. Right. So people who fire up an episode on uh, you know blind look like these guys don't That's even weird. update their freaking art. Like, what is this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Please submit because we want to see what you got. Put everybody else to shame. Chris Mooneyham's going to do one. (laughs) (laughs) What else do we have to promote, Jason? We also have to ask for folks to submit to our 11 O'Closkers, which is the year-end celebration of all things that happened in comics. Uh, We usually do the episode in mid to late January. Ballots have been open for some time. You can go to eleven'clockcomics.com uh, and there's a tab for the O'Closkers on the top left. Um, and submit it is a Google form. I know some people get a little wigged by that because you know we're in an era of like you never know when you click on a link, but it's legit. It's a Google form um, with uh, you know I think what just shy of thirty categories. You don't have to vote for all thirty. That's another question we get a lot. You can vote for whatever you feel like voting for if you haven't read manga this year and you don't have a vote that's fine if you haven't read a horror comic that's fine um just vote for what you're comfortable voting for and uh we will on the live recording of the episode where we'll read out both our own choices for our favorites of the year and the audience's picks but we will pick one of your lovely names if you submit a ballot and uh we will um depending on how many overall ballots we get you will win a prize somewhere between 50 and uh 200 dollars for uh, cheap graphic novels. So, um, yeah. So, got nothing to lose, right? Jason, have you started aggregating your best of the year list list? (laughs) Yes, because the last few years I have published that as one of the advent days. So, uh, and it is the 21st as we record this. So, yes, I think if plans go accordingly, I will post that on Saturday. Nice. I disagree with Vince. I think that thing is very helpful. That's why I love you. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're a beautiful creature, Jason. Well, I like looking at all those lists, but then just knowing that I have a friend that's just going to cut all the crap out and just put the actual – do the math on it. I like that. Although I do also like sometimes if I trust somebody, I'll check out their lists. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about me. Quit this nonsense. Time to promote you, dog. <laughs> Listen, uh, you all know me. I've, I'm uncomfortable doing this, uh, but I have uh, Trish and Tone and the whole gang from Stray Dogs and I have announced uh, a new series um, that is uh, our follow-up to Stray Dogs. It's called Feral. It's about cats. Uh, Image said that the best way to describe it would be to tell people it's like uh, the Aristocats meets the Walking Dead. Totally, dude. I was thinking the exact same thing. So there you go. Uh, which uh, which I'm totally on board for. Uh, if it could be as successful as the Aristocats or even the Walking Dead, that would be fine by me. Uh, even a fraction of that would, would be just fine. Um, so, yeah, it's a story. We've been working on it for uh, for more than a year now. Um it's the whole same team that made Stray Dogs, but we've sort of moved some of the positions around a little bit. Um, on Stray Dogs, uh, my buddy Tone Rodriguez did what we credited him as was layouts, but it was more like he was drawing backgrounds 
Um, and so on this one, we just sort of moved him into just drawing. He just does full background. So the way that Stray Dogs looked like an animated thing, um, this book will look even more like an animated thing because it has like these very detailed sort of like, uh, but like lots of blacks and lots of detail and rendering in the backgrounds. And then the characters in the foregrounds, Trish is drawing herself. And those ones are, are full on like Trish Forstner, you know, Don Bluthy looking and magic. Um, but it's a story about a bunch of cats that get trapped out in the woods. They're house cats and they're stuck out in the middle of nowhere during a, a giant sort of like never before seen rabies outbreak. Um, and so it's the, the rules are just like zombies. If they get scratched, they get turned. If they get bit, they get turned. And so we get to sort of do like the stray dogs version of a zombie story. And that's it. We can move on. Let's talk about criminal. Or- and wait, 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 wait. Don't Hold under, on don't undersell it. <laughs> we, we were fortunate enough to be given a look at the first three issues. Like, that's crazy that you have three issues in the can already, and the first issue didn't even come out yet. And how long is it going to be, you didn't say? Oh, it's ongoing. That's ongoing. The, okay. That's the, the one of the real selling points uh, for me as a creator and also hopefully for readers – um, I know the retailers too are sort of like lament that there's not a ton of ongoing books out there that they can get people to come back for every month. Hopefully, we could be one of those. Um, but yeah, it's like the, I, the same way I was talking about Hellboy, like being able to to stretch out and tell a story and, and feel confident that you know put a beginning, middle, and end in every issue, but feel confident that you're going to get to come back and have another swing at this and get to you know you don't have to cram every page. Um, so yeah, it's ongoing every month. Uh, with a month off, we're gonna do like like uh, I don't I don't like to say like saga because that's sort of gotten <laughs> uh. <laughs> perverted from what the original intent was. But you remember saga when it first came out would do uh, five issues and then put the trade out, then take a month and then they'd come back. And that's uh, that's what we're gonna do. Okay, ongoing. But you've read the first three. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But not, uh, not Vince. I no, I I read the first w- issue, and oh. I, I said to the boys, I said, I already like this more than Stray Dogs. Yes, you did. I think, and I told you specifically, Tony, that I think Trish has leveled up, um, not because there was a deficit or a shortcoming anywhere, but I mean, I think she got even better. Well, she's been, I mean, you know, not to belittle what she does, but I always tell people Stray Dogs was her first comic. Um, Stray Dogs number one was the first full comic issue she drew. And so since then, she's done, you know, she did seven issues of Stray Dogs. She did a bunch of My Little Pony issues, and she's been doing covers constantly. So she, you are looking at a more mature artist for sure. And she's then, we're we're taking advantage of that fully. How the heck did you get so lucky? Uh, it is a it it's a real rare situation because it was um, just me. I liked her work, and we both worked on My Little Pony, and I knew her from Pony conventions. But you know, she, I do think she's a, like a real like a, a one in a million shot. Like any other of those people that I might have gone to a Pony convention and said like I like the way you draw cartoons. You know, I don't think they would have had the same kind of dedication, the same kind of situation, you know, the same kind of um, 
ambition. You know, like she really, she's a total package. She she draws great, and she's she's down to you know to hustle, which is you know not everybody is. Yeah, and she's not an asshole. She's yeah, she's very <laughs> very pleasant to deal with. You're very, and in person, she's just wonderful. Which I know is is not. Uh, crucial to the work, but it's a nice additive, right? It's it's a nice little thing where you think this person does good work, and they're not a salty asswipe. They're, they're well, just- it's, it it works nice for me too because we create these characters together, and um, I always describe her as like a nice lady, like she's not a weirdo like you and me. Like she's not like a horror person, but I'm sort of like dragged her into this horror space. So, like, we'll create these characters together, and then I'll just send her a script, and it's just like, here's what we're going to do to this one. And she just, and she, she always is just like, oh, f-, like, why? But she never, you know, fights with me about it. And she's always just like, uh, you know, like she can tell what a cool story is or, you know, like what makes sense. Um, but it is, she's, she's just great. I'm, yeah. I'm very pleased to have her. And Tone Rodriguez, equally, uh, you know, uh, just a hustler and somebody that's been, you know, you guys have all, you know, I know Jason's gotten work by him, and you've, yep. you've seen him do comics for years and years. Long time. Yes, yeah. he's um, he's just a pro that you can just get down. And um, luckily, I've been able to have him come out here and just stay with me, and we work almost like comic book camp, where he'll just you know we'll do a convention out here, and then he'll stick around for a couple weeks after. He just left a couple days ago. He was here for LA Comic Con. So and what, we'll just sit there and make comics together and, you know, sit there and draw. So what are you going to – I mean, everybody loves uh, uh, a, a name to apply to things. What yeah. would you call the Stray Dogs Feral Universe? Like the balloon uh, term or terms. I, I describe can... them as like petsploitation comics. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> nice. That's great. That's fucking great. There's something that wrong with you. Look at you. <laughs> I feel like it's sort of like Stray Dogs definitely I mean there was Beast of Burden before there was Black Sad which is more like anthropomorphic um, but I do feel like Stray Dogs sort of like kicked open a door where now there's you know the Tom King animal book and the Pornsack animal book and the Marvel does an animal book every year now and you know yeah. um, and so I do feel like it's sort of like there's definitely many books that that you can describe as exploitation books I uh I think Beneath the Trees probably is one. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. though it's also could be called anthropomorphic. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I can only imagine Evan Dorkin seeing the, 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 the success of Stray Dogs and, and I don't Feral. like to think about it. Yeah, really. It's like, oh, fucking, yeah. please. If you, if you ever get a box <laughs> with milk and cheese on on your doorstep, do not open it. <laughs> don't I, love, it. Yeah, I love Evan Dorkin. I thought Visa Burden was great. Um, I had a different take on a you know, on a similar vibe, but I definitely don't like, uh, if he's anything like milk or cheese or his online persona, I don't want to. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Hey, fleece, come over here. I want to have a little talk with you. Uh, No, I'm good. I'm good. good. (laughs) Peace out. (laughs) Shit. Uh, Uh, Yeah. Farrell, talk about it. Tell me, tell me what you read. Let's discuss. I'm happy to answer questions if you have any. Nice. Well, I mean, listen, you know, as I'm reading it, I'm thinking this motherfucker, because I'm thinking, you know, he hits, he hit, you know, he, he hits it. He hits the, the oil well with, uh, with stray dogs, you know, and, and you know, obviously there's got to be a tremendous amount of pressure for you and, and Trish and the team. They'll be like, what do we do next? You know, 
And, um, you know, I'm like, I'm starting to read the first issue, and I'm like, this motherfucker, like, yep. he put cats in a Walking Dead story. Like, that's <laughs> fucking, like, I'm like, people are going to eat the fucking, they're going to eat this up. They're going to eat it up. Yeah. Well, that's the long-running joke, right? That we've we we've, we've beat that horse a long time. Where we said, like Tony, what the fuck are you gonna do after Stray Dogs? Like you're done. <laughs> this is it. That's your thing. But you didn't surprise me. I don't want to speak for the other guys, but I because I knew that somewhere along the line, the muse or or that creative entity that just keeps funneling great ideas to you like i we we'd like to represent it as this other thing but it's really you you you've just become more comfortable as a as a writer as a creative person where now the ideas flow more smoothly than they did 20 years ago right but i said that was the thing like what the fuck is tony gonna do it's like i the first issue of feral like i straight dogs is great i I enjoy the hell out of it but there's something about the cats in this situation because like cats are smarter than dogs to begin with right (laughs) yeah and i just just talking about that today trisha and i were texting back and forth because we hadn't we haven't had cats and dogs talk to each other and we were talking about like can they talk to each other and trish goes well, yeah, but it's like when an adult talks to a kid. <laughs> and that that's that's not derogatory. I think that's very true. Like, my cats will do things that the dogs would never even think of doing. Sure, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm working on the computer, and the cat sees the mouse going around. She's looking at it, and she tries to swipe at it. Like, the dog is totally oblivious to that kind of well, stuff. That's, it's, that's definitely nice for being able to write the characters, too, because we play these cats the same way we play the dogs and stray dogs that they're real cats. You know, they never put on like a vest and have a pocket watch and stuff like that. Like they're, they're cats, uh, but they can do more than dogs can do. Like they can figure out how to open the door or they can, you know, like yeah, they, they can figure stuff out, which, which has been a nice, um, I, I feel less locked into things, but as far as coming in, like coming up with an idea of like what to do next, it really did come from, that was the, I had the same feeling you said, where it's just like Jesus Christ, what do you do? You know, because I do think that like Stray Dogs is like a once in a lifetime like great idea that you have. Um, from having my whole lifetime of ideas, I haven't had one that I think is like better lightning in a bottle than that. You know, where it's just like, oh fuck yeah, let's go. Um, but I sort of took the idea of Stray Dogs and I was just like, all right, well, what's different? Like cats, here's what's different from cats than dogs. And I started with that. Like I knew we wanted to do a thing with cats. And then it was just like, what was Stray Dogs, and what can we do differently, and 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 like, and what's like Stray Dogs is horror in this way. How can we do cats and horror in a different way? And so it's like, Stray Dogs is a contained like a bottle, like a locked room type mystery. So let's open it up. And what's what's scary now about the outside that's not scary about the inside? Stray Dogs has like this. Uh, antagonist who's uh who's like an evil force who's ever present uh and is in one person and so what if we make the the thing that they're fighting against or that they're afraid of in this sort of like everywhere and and not just one thing it could be anything um and then also just you know like once the idea of rabies and i sort of like i went back and i reread cujo and i've read like like a bunch of rabies books and i just started thinking about like what are all the things that go like that can happen with rabies and like how does it affect animals 
And I and then I just started thinking about like every zombie movie that I liked. I I thought about The Walking Dead, but I also thought about like the Romero stuff, and I thought about like the Italian stuff, and I was just like, like fuck, that's cool if it's cats. Um, and so yeah, so then I just we just started putting it together, and then it's about you know building these characters and having the characters interact with each other and having them have flaws and having them have you know stories that are going on and. I don't know. I'm from. I just sent the draft for uh, issue five out to the to the team uh, last night, and that's the end of the first arc. And I think we've got like a fucking cool first arc and and, a, and like a cool jumping off point for where it goes after that. So nice. So, question: Is this going to be like The Walking Dead, where especially if it's an ongoing, where characters we come to know and love are going to just die at any moment? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Probably. Uh, I, so I don't how, know how many issues do we get before Lord bites the dust? <laughs> I love Lord, and, and there's character, and we we're introducing new characters all the time, and and then we'll have new characters I love. So it's really just about um, how much does it hurt me to do it, and and do I want to do it? But Lord, I think we can count on sticking around for a long time. Lord was one of the first characters that we came up with. It's it's basically there's these three main characters: Patch and Elsie and Lord Fluffy Bridges. <laughs> they just call Lord, um, and those are the three main main cats, and everybody else is sort of like circles around them. And but it's it's mainly told through the perspective of Elsie, who's this sort of like typical cat that does fine on her own, but she finds herself stuck in the situation with with all these other characters, and and it's about her like you know learning that she has to lean on other people. Um, but Lord is sort of based on like that the the character of the fuck up brother um which i think is great in like scorsese movies like in mean streets i thought about a lot um robert de niro's character in mean streets just like this goofball brother that everybody's just always telling harvey Keltel like this guy's a real problem um now i read some like i read a couple books that had that character and i and i watched a bunch of movies that had that character and i was just like that's a cool character because you'd love them but they're also just like you know that they're uh, a liability, and in in like a zombie movie or a zombie story, like I like the idea of that character that like, you love but is a liability, and so that's what the character Lord is. He's he's messed up, and we sort and we find out through the course of the story why he's messed up. Nice, yeah. That's it's so- like um, to me, I, it's like Kevin Costner in Silverado, for yes. you, right? Like love yeah. him, but he's dumb, and you're like, oh, dude. <laughs> You're gonna be the death of us all. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we, and we go ahead. No, I just say screw this Walking Dead stuff. I want to see at some point in the run, the cats are holed up in an abandoned shopping mall. Oh, oh for sure. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and I also need to see a rabies uh, infused cat fight a shark. <laughs> like like a Fulci. Like a in Fulci's Oh yeah. Yes. yeah. Yes, I don't know. Well, Here's the problem with rabies: that it makes you very afraid of water. So I don't oh, think that that oh, one could no. necessarily this research. But there's definitely a, a shop. It's not a shopping mall. It's going to be like a PetSmart. Um, Dude, I can't wait for the for the military to have like plant like a catnip trap. <laughs> what is what is this right here? They start dropping cat toys, the explosive cat toys, in the middle of fields and stuff. Not surprising, you were very clever, right? Like, like, and one of the, the most jarring moments of that was when 
you know, cats, if anyone's ever had a cat, you know, you do like the pen light, like cats love to follow the light. They love the movement. And then you show the scene of like how he's flashbacking to loving his owners, you know, with the pen light. And then all of a sudden you're like it, the transition and it's, it's, it's the sniper, like, you know, it's the, it's the tracer laser scopes. Yeah. Scopes. And you're like, Oh, and, but the, to the cat, he'd be like, Oh, cool. Laser beam. Cool. And it's like, nah, dude, they're about to shoot the shit out of you. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, now, have you conceptual, like, I mean, again, you hope this goes on for a long time. So the premise is right that the the, the humans have been warned that there's this, like, crazy, uh, I guess, some type of version of, of rabies. And, and so mammals are just going, like, feral and, like, homicidal. But, like, I would posit that if this is the kind of thing where, like, every mammal or every at least four-legged mammal, as you put it in the book, gets this very quickly, like, I would think humanity would pretty much crumble. So, right. like, in, if the book goes on for a long time, are we going to, like, is it going to become a post-apocalyptic world? Because, like, in this moment, this is, like, when the outbreak's happening. So it's, like, a normal world, save for the fact that they're being chased by other feral animals, right? But, like, but not too long from here, if they if they manage to live, like, it's going to become a pretty abysmal, like like, world, like, entirely. Yeah, for sure. It is uh, – that's one of the harder tricks to play is because you're telling it all from the cat's POV. Um, like how much of what's happening do they notice? Do we – where do we – where can we put them where they would see like what exactly is happening to the rest of the world? And so, yeah, it's, as the story starts out, we're at the beginning of this thing where it could take you know a while for it to get crazy in the rest of the world. But um, – but yeah, by the end of the first arc, you sort of get a taste of what what everything else is looking like. Um, it's it, it is a real trick, but but we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll do it. You know, uh, it's, it's starting small, and and the ongoing nature of it, I'll, I'll be able to sort of tease it out for a little bit. But yeah, eventually it will be like you know we get to show these cats get to a city and everybody's wearing like full hazmat suits or whatever, you know, like what, what's life like in a, in a rabies world. Interesting. Yeah. I'm just waiting for the Lori moment when they get to one of the characters that we care about. And you're like, what the fuck, Tony? Why did you do oh, that? Oh dude, get one of the cats pregnant. And has I've, to fucking, <laughs> then the, the, the feral beast is take the babies. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> can't wait for tony's next book about what else he can do to break david's heart <laughs> uh as i told you the yes. next book we i'll be back here doing this exact same pimping in one month <laughs> when i've got another book coming out and it was is fully no animals are injured in the making of that book <laughs> uh so yeah i'll be Good. i'll be back awesome nice. But this one is going. I'm going to be making a bunch of noise about. It. It's very. Um, it's an interesting time for me because I, like I've, I've I've been working on Local Man and we sort of did a, a ton to promote that when it was first coming out. But it's been, you know, a year now of that book coming out, and so it's just basically is what it is. You know, we we do promotions and we do different stuff, but it, it sells what it sells. So now I'm at at the point where I'm out. I'm going to be out making a bunch of noise about this, and making a bunch of noise about this other book that, that gets announced in a month. And uh, and then we'll see what it looks like. It's definitely different times than than when we put Stray Dogs out. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, you you are. I mean, not that we're putting on the spot here, but 
obviously the last few weeks have been uh, a lot of noise out there about the narrative of, of the industry, right? And like, I think we can generally accept that, like you said, the pandemic was a bubble for pretty much anything collectible. I mean, it yeah. just, and, and, and now we can see that. And, and so needless to say, like those who assumed that that was like a new steady state are feeling the pain. Right. And then those that probably had been around the block a few times and thought, no, this is a bubble and we'll get back to some other level and we'll be okay. Um, but as you alluded to someone who's enjoyed, you know, you know, at least arguably your, your most commercial successful thing during that period. Um, like what are your thoughts about like the industry and, and the health of it? Like you've alluded a few times already that, you know, single issues aren't what they used to be, but like, are you at like DEFCON one? Are you like, like where, where, how do you feel as a creator in this environment? I mean, after FOC for feral number one, I'll let you know what DEFCON is. <laughs> <laughs> Because there's a real chance that, like, you know, I'm saying this is an ongoing and this is, you know, and we, we have real plans for this. But there's a real chance where it's just like, oh, fuck. Because, um, I mean, it's it's not – I do fine still. You know, like, I, I make a living. But it's a harder living. And um, I think the way that the economy is right now, like, it looks like numbers are ticking up. But that doesn't necessarily mean that people have f- extra – like – extra money for entertainment stuff still you yeah. know like gas is still even if it's lower it's still expensive than it was a year ago and here's a staff for you in support of that uh since the student loan moratorium was listed a month and a half ago uh 60 of of people whose moratorium uh turned off haven't made a payment yet Ugh, yeah oh, yeah yeah it's i mean it doesn't look great <laughs> like it's not and and we had like a we had sort of like leveled out on local man. And then there was one month where there was just like a, a big drop and we were just like, what the fuck is this? And it was like, it was like a 10% drop. And it was like, um, an image was like, this is pretty normal that, to see this sort of thing around this part of a run. Um, but then I talked to retailers about it and they were like, well, we, we know a lot of shops that, you know, things have gotten so tight that they've just gone back to, um, only, uh, pre-orders for image comics, you know, or, or independent comics, you know, like they'll get shelf copies for Marvel and DC stuff, but they're, they'll just get whole file comics for people that orders, you know, stuff like my books that are, you know, not, don't have a movie or, uh, you know, 30, 50 year publishing history. Um, so it's, you know, it's definitely interesting times we'll see <laughs> we'll see how it goes i'm less worried about this one because it is you know like stray dogs was sort of a, a phenomenon um i mean i'm worried about it but i'm i'm not terrified the the one i'm, I'm, I'm launching next month is something completely new and i'm more just I'm, that one is the one i'm just like what the fuck's that gonna be um uh, so we'll see hopefully i'm just hoping uh people will be sort of caught up in in feral fever and they'll just be like whatever this guy's doing we'll take <laughs> we'll take two i thought you were going to announce next month rhyme hopper the follow-up to time shopper oh <laughs> jesus <laughs> people have been begging every day i get messages like, <laughs> when you come to him when what happened someone? next <laughs> oh jeez there you go. That's, that's how you know I've super made it is because we do have two more time shop right like story ideas. And when I'm just like when I'm Kirkman, when I'm just like whatever, you know, <laughs> I'll put out my bridge super dinosaur. Yeah, my super dinosaur exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that book's fun. 
It is. Yeah, it's very fun. Oh, yeah. And there's a compendium coming out. Yes, that's why I said it. Yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, well, more comics. Tony, uh, before we, we, we move on, uh, obviously, we wish you the most luck. But I don't think you need it. I think this book's going to do really well. I'll, look, I'll take it. I'll take any yeah. luck. Yeah. Uh, f- for the listeners, Farrell, it's in the new previews or whatever they call it at Lunar. Uh, the new Lunar previews. Tell your shop you want it. Remind them that they made money off of Stray Dogs. <laughs> and tell them that if they need anything from me, I'm only an email away. I'm happy to sign books for stores or anything like that. I'm happy to help uh, these retailers. Nice. Look at you. Such a Look good at guy. That. Yeah. You play the variant game? Any, any like, super, super hot fire variant covers? I hope so. Um, oh, no, we oh, we definitely are. We're, we're sort of taking a page out of the uh, James Tynan uh, notebook where we're, we're doing, like, the one in – one in ten, one in twenty-five, one in fifty, one in one hundred. Um, for the first so, issue, and so then, who gets to which artists get to be in which category? Like, who gets the one in one hundred variant? We're doing the one in one hundred, but for the, so for the first issue, it's A cover is a is an original cover, B cover is the Dawn of the Dead cover, and then the one in ten I think is the Day of the Dead cover, and then the one in one hundred is the Night of the Living Dead cover. Oh, you're fucking so, killing me. To get the full Romero trilogy, well, I mean, I can just give you one. <laughs> get the full Romero trilogy, you gotta, you know, you gotta get the whole set. Uh, but then every issue, I'm glad you. Have, thank you, Jason. You're good at promoting. Um, every issue, also, and we're doing this uh, like Cat Lady <laughs> covers, where uh, for issue one, there's a Sweeney Boo cover that's like a Virgin variant. Um, issue two is Sophie Campbell. Uh, we're gonna have a Jenny Frizen. Um, we got like a, a lot of cool lady artists doing cool cat cat covers. Oh, that's, that's a neat awesome. angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can I mention the cover that you said to me uh, on the text? Yes. You're going to do a May pastiche cover. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm excited about that. That's we pretty awesome. Problem, I love a May. Uh, what was the name of the cat? Um, Loopy. In in that movie. Oh, was, in May. Yeah, wasn't the cat's name <laughs> Loopy or something? Yeah, that's the cat that ends up in the freezer. Right, right. You should do a similar scene in the. Yeah, well, I'm just going to do the cover, the the poster. I feel like it's a little too esoteric to do uh, the shot from the movie May where they find a frozen cat in the freezer. They're <laughs> 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 not really selling, not moving units on that either. No, well, you move one, but just okay. one. Yeah, me. I'll just draw you a, a, a sketch of that. Look at you! You're so f- giving with your talent. It's like, stop. No, All right, sure. more comics, more comics. Um, I, I have one. If we don't want to, go ahead. Oh, God, you guys, a current on Incredible Hulk? No, no, but tell no. me why I should be. Okay, I could say two words to you, and you'd be like, "Okay, I got to read this." But I'll, you'll, you'll, you'll know it when I get to it. So, Incredible Hulk, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, Nick Klein is the artist. Good God. Uh, Matthew Wilson is on color. Now, I read six and seven, which makes me current on Incredible Hulk. So we went through the Brother Deep um, incident when we first talked about this book. Uh, Where the book is at now, Charlie's wanted for questioning in relation to the death of her father. There were two issues in between that were drawn by Travel Foreman where... Philip Kennedy Johnson 
totally misuses the man thing. Mm. Yes, and the less said about that, the better. But the, the 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 short of it is, the nexus of all realities is in danger from the eldest. Like everything in this book is based on this entity called the eldest, right? She it stirs up this creature called the swamp witch that uh, confronts its victims with beings from their past around which guilt is an emotion like it it tries to eat charlie and it shows her the image of her dead brother charlie was somehow made a bad decision or wasn't able to help her there's a there's a mysterious situation around charlie's younger brother that led to his death that this swamp witch confronts her with it was trying to eat her but but hulk steps in and and beats the shit out of the creature blah 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 betty ross shows up in harpy form who is an ambassador of the eldest like every like i said all roads lead back to the eldest in this book and betty says to bruce look or, or to the hulk look here's the deal the eldest wants the hulk if you can give the Hulk to this entity, she will see fit to make new bodies for Bruce and myself, and we can go back to the way it used to be before we were cursed with this, 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 this our other selves. And Hulk's like, fuck you. Um, but in six and seven... Hulk and Charlie are are very eager to keep out of the crosshairs of the law, so they head down to Texas, right? And they hook up with this group of migrant workers. And one of them is a little little man named Leo. He's a boy. But he has a mysterious protector. His dead Uncle Sal, who once owned a vintage Harley from World War II, the bike fires to life when Leo's in danger. Uncle Sal is a ghost rider, which is really cool because he's got the whole, you know, combat helmet on and, 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 and the deal. In, in typical Marvel style, this Uncle Sal slash ghost rider thinks the Hulk is the threat to, to little Leo. And Hulk and, and this ghost rider fight. It's, it, it's a Marvel book, right? So the two, quote, heroes are going to throw down until they realize, uh-oh, I made a mistake. The, the 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 real threat is revealed. There's this creature of the eldest called the War Devil, and it's a beast that kind of feeds on the trauma of those that have experienced armed conflict or war. There's a, a group of veterans that are used. Their 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 emotions are used to to create this pack of uh, horse riding combat decked out beings that that come to to uh destroy the ghost rider and the hulk but um it's a fun book uh, the the man thing kind of uh, issues kind of soured me on philip kennedy johnson because he just does not understand the man thing like there's um uh hulk has a conversation with ted salas you don't go there mm-hmm. you don't go there with the man thing ted salas is dead 
the the, the it's not it's not a, like a swamp thing type type uh, deal where where there's a maybe a shred of the the entity that gave rise to the creature. Um, no, the, there's nothing guiding the man thing at all. Like, and I I, I point the finger at Marvel because in a lot of the Thunderbolt stuff. Like man thing could actually make decisions and and open doors and, and like to you know hey teleport us here like that's bullshit the man thing that's not the man thing the man thing is just this blank slate that report that that uh, responds to emotion he's an empath that's all the man thing is he doesn't make decisions he just reacts based on the magnitude of emotions around him and here Ted Salas is talking to to the hulk like oh yeah the it's like stop you just this is this is totally wrong and it wasn't travel foreman's greatest hour let's just say that but here's where i want to go with this when you're juxtaposed against nick klein it's not going to be anybody's finest hour because what nick klein is doing on this book is ridiculous it is absolutely one of the best depictions of the hulk in a long, long, long time. Like, he is just tearing up the pages like a mother. The Specifically, the transformation. Have you seen when Banner transforms into the Hulk, have you seen what happens in this new book? Any of you? No, no I'm he, not reading He shreds Banner's skin. Like oh, he cool. he literally rips Banner's like Banner's face will distort and and bulge and he like rips the skin off it and his like if, if he's pulling his arm out like Banner's skin is just hanging his arm and he just he takes off a Banner costume it's unbelievable to the point where it's like like that's a novel take on the Hulk. The the storyline may not be all that novel. I, I, from from where I'm sitting at the end of seven issues, I think Philip Kennedy Johnson is trying to do an Al Ewing take where it's this long, protracted narrative like Immortal Hulk, where everything factors into the the, the you know the the big picture. And I, if you're going to compete with Al Ewing's Immortal Hulk, I think you're going to fail. I'm just saying. Well, they may they may also think that that's the way to go since the previous Hulk volume I before get, this one. Was yeah, I get it. I get it. And then even Peter David's run, like everything, there was there was a there was a germ of an idea that David played out for multiples of issues, right? Many many issues. So I get that's the way to go these days, I guess. But it just seems like this is a sort of in the same vein as Immortal, where uh, it's a darker, more horror-based take on on the Incredible Hulk, but the 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 little things like the transformation that Nick Klein renders, oh my God, it is abs- I could see Felix just looking at every issue that comes out and just loving it. Like the, you just hear the cash register ka-ching, because Klein works in double page spreads a lot. There are a lot of spreads in this book, and within a traditional we want you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like within a traditional brush and ink or pen and ink uh approach there are painted panels and i'm like you 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 cannot it's like printing money the 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 the, the visuals are so absolutely gorgeous on this book it's ridiculous um it, it it could it could compare favorably to the best 
of Hulk, like, ever. And that's saying something. Like, I, I didn't think that the visuals on Immortal, they were good. But if Nick Klein was on Immortal, that's, that would be an evergreen hmm. t- title at Marvel. This, this stuff is just incredibly rendered. Uh, the creatures, there's like Banner. It's, it's, it's an atypical take on Banner, too, because he's, like he's like a transient. He's, uh, he's scraggy, unshaven. I mean, we've seen that look for Banner, but we've never seen, I don't think, in recent memory anyway, we've never seen the Hulk just shred Banner's skin and step out of a, like a Banner costume. That's bizarre. Um, so if you like top-shelf art, like world-class, amazing, dark superhero art, like you got to be reading Incredible Hulk because when Nick Klein is on the book, it is second to none, man. His Ghost Rider's great. And again, there's double-page spread where Ghost Rider's on the bike and he's you know, barreling into the Hulk. And I'm just like, wow, somebody's going to be very, very happy because they're going to buy that shit from Felix. And it's just, um, it's, he's printing money, which is nice to see that people appreciate this, this level of uh, craftsmanship. So yeah, um, it's, it's a very good book. Uh, there have been some stumbles along the way, but um, as a longtime Hulk fan, I'm, it's, it's just, Hitting me the right way. You are warming Caleb's heart. Yeah. No, I, I think it's, uh, again, like like with um, with Immortal, uh, the, the, the first issue or first couple issues of Immortal did nothing for me. In fact, I was like, oh, I'm not going to read this. But I persevered, right? And Immortal became one of the really, really good Hulk arcs. I don't think it was a balanced affair because I, I, I'm... I'm Confident that the visuals didn't live up to the 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 narrative or the the, the intricacies of the the, the work. Um, I'm not. I don't want to. Was that was Brett Booth, right? Uh, that that did the immortal. Most of the immortal run, right? No, um, mostly Joe Bennett. Joe Bennett. Yes, sorry, yes. Joe Bennett, whose work I like, but I got to be honest. Like you look at Nick Klein's work, it's like what. <laughs> oh, it, it's just it's it's incomparable. It's just amazingly rendered, and I think that's where this book has the edge. In that the storyline is okay, like the, oh yeah, there's this big shadowy creature and you know trying to he's going to send all these monsters against Hulk, and she wants Hulk for some reason, and she's been around forever. Uh, that's fun, but I think in this book it's the the inverse of the immortal, where the visuals are the real selling point, and the story's like it, it's it's utilitarian. It's good enough. To, to give to give Klein more stuff to draw. Yeah, I don't think that's a that's not a resounding, uh, uh, you know, uh, approval of this book. But it, this book is it, it, if you're an art fan, just shut up and buy this book. You're coming. Nice. For the, you're coming for the art. Yeah. Hey, Dap. You know what we need? We need someone to come up with uh, like segment intro music so we can have a, a new segment for for Vince's Marvel Minute. My God. It's a lot longer than a minute, but yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, Vince's, Mar- <laughs> Vince's Marvel monologue. Yeah. <sighs> I'm just stunned. Be real quiet. I'll sing it right now. You can just clip it and use it later. Ready? You can't laugh in the background if he's going to. We all got. Everybody oh, yeah. can make, make That's some. True. That's true. Yeah, Jackson on those strings. That's right. Well, can, can, can loop it. Can loop it. Before it. you sign, I can do all that <laughs> shit. Before you sign off, Tony, I'm going to have you 
do that, and I'll use it whenever I. <laughs> I'm totally serious. Terrific. What wow. else do we have, Jack? We got to talk about this Brubaker and Phillips. Yeah, let's do. All sucka sucka. Vince, did you read it? You didn't read it. No, because it doesn't have it yet. Do you have it yet? No, I don't have it. I have I have the the digital, but I'm I won't read it digitally. I so I'm oh, I'm waiting for that. I don't care. I'm probably not going to remember what you say about it. <laughs> You're still no, thinking about what you'd say next. No, no offense, no offense. I I probably even if you do reveal pertinent plot points, I I probably won't remember them. Well, you're going to want it in paper because it's got map and papers, and I know you like that. I do love maps. It does, yeah. yeah. The, map, the map shows up three times in this book. They just keep, they just hit you over the head. They're so happy with the map. And they have a cast of characters pages, a, a really great setup for a mystery. You see, the really place. love the cast of characters page. That's right yeah. up my alley. Yeah. You see, the char- you see the people, and even just seeing the characters, just like even the way like he draws – Tony Melville, the neglected wife, you're just like, oh, something's about to happen here. You know, like, you see all these characters, you see Mrs. Wilson. I made it clear, we watched some Angela White porn before he decided to draw these. <laughs> oh, <my goodness> yeah, this is the definitely the most sexual Brubaker <laughs> Phillips book. Yeah. Phillips gets his fuck on in this. Yeah, that, it's just really thinking. And like you you feel it. Like it feels real. You can smell it. <laughs> you can't, you just, it's like, comes right through the screen and i love how it's it's because when you you see the cast first and then you read the story and after you read the story you go back to the cast of characters and when we see palmer sneed when it says man with a badge yeah that really only thinks of one thing but obviously as the story plays out yeah no he's just literally a man with a badge yeah and and it it's Hardworking psychiatrist. I don't know about that, but I mean, I. Well, what's he working hard at? Exactly. Yeah. Framing the <laughs> non-vet, but you have. Um, I don't. I'll just. I did enjoy this, and even from the last one. I then the last reckless book. No, the last. The the night the night eaters the night dancers what was it called Hold on I'll look at the back of this book Even even Ed and Sean's like if they ever have an off day it's still better than what a lot of other creators can do That said as much as I enjoyed where the body was I didn't love it and I, didn't, oh. I, I, yeah, it's, it's, and I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, the night fever. Yeah, night fever. Night, oh, night fever. Oh, night fever was fantastic. That, yeah, I, I, night I, fever I think, yeah, if I, if, if I had to put them side by side, I'll, I haven't read night fever since it came out. Um, I don't, I, 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 I dug the mystery of it. I don't know if I appreciated the fourth wall or them talking to an interviewer or, or whoever, like talking to the reader and, 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 and as if it was interviews, there was just, there was something I, I like how unique it was for a Brubaker and Phillips story. Um, but 
considering we just had, you know, we, 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 we've got like three reckless books. We had night fever. We, I mean, they're, they're on an amazing run starting with, you know, pulp and, and, and the, the hardcovers that they did for the, uh, for the, like the criminal side stories, things like, like that. And, and, and how everything's all connected. And I'm, I, I, I love all of that. And I was like, really looking forward to just this little standalone, neat little story, but, but there were, and, and I dug the story. I just, I said, I just, I, I, I didn't love it. There was something that just either didn't, it, it, it didn't click with me or, and, and I'm seeing, uh, and I've, I've seen other people online talk about how it's pretty much like the best thing Ed and Sean have done this year and, and, and how it blows previous works away. And, and I, I didn't see it. And, and, Again, I'll still recommend it. I'll still say, hey, if it, it, you absolutely this this is something you should absolutely read. But worth your time. when I think about it's absolutely worth your time, no doubt about it. And and it deserves to be on in your library. And I'm glad I'm gonna it, it, it it's it's coming and it's gonna be on the shelf with the rest of their stuff and, and I'm happy to have it. It just it I'm, and it didn't fall flat at all. It's still a cool story. I just it, it's not I don't want to compare it to Reckless because we've already had so many books of that and it's it, that's its own thing. But I just um, I, I, I want to hear from you guys because I, I know I, maybe maybe I just missed something, but so I want to hear from somebody. That hates it. Write that down. That's it, that, write it down. What do you think about the fourth wall stuff? Because I liked it. Yeah, I mean, I like it. But I mean, because, um, yeah, that's I think it's a great point, though, that David brings up because. Like why? Like I think a fair question for any of these books is why isn't it just another criminal book? Right? Like there's got to be a reason why it's not theoretically a criminal book. I thought that formal stuff was why, right? Yeah, like, it, right. No, that's what I'm saying. So that's what, like it seems like like the the fourth wall, the approach to it, the the tone of the book separates it. Right. He's deliberately it, trying to make it look different, so he's going to yeah, throw all this yeah. out there. And if you read like the epilogue, right? Like he talks about Brubaker talks about. Um, how Sean years ago had asked him to write a romance comic and Brubaker ended up writing a crime comic and giving it to him. <laughs> yeah. And he said, this time it was supposed to be a crime comic and it turned into a romance comic. Now I'll be honest with you. I mean, I read obviously the epilogue after reading the book and I, I mean, I didn't co- I like, I didn't close the book before reading that and think it was a romance comic. So like, <laughs> like romance comics just means like, like, like it, it, it shows you where Brubaker's head is where he thinks he's finally written a romance comic. I'm like, bro, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, like I hope. I mean, because I was like, I, hope, I don't know if it was marriage. If that's what he thinks romance is, but anyway, I mean, if that um, was a romance comic, then then too too young to die old is is a love story for sure. Yeah. Um. But but I so I get that it definitely feels a little different by design, and then it becomes: Do you like the changes? The new the changes in tone or don't you? Obviously, for you, it didn't. It kind of took you a little bit out of out of. Uh, out of out of sequence with or out of out of uh sync for me it worked for me like like i mean and and i can't think of a thing that they've done together i haven't really enjoyed so but but if we are playing the comparison game for me to tony's point i i much preferred this to night fever like i thought this was different it felt really to me like a coen brothers movie turned into a comic and i'm a massive fan of the coen brothers as i know brubaker is and it just felt like, okay, he wants he's fucking around a little bit with the Cohen. He wants that Cohen Brothers vibe. Like a little bit quirky, a little bit like like a little bit left to center, like trying to keep you guessing, but ultimately like it's a fairly like um micro story. It's just I mean, in this case it's a story of of people that live on a on a on a suburban block and and 
and they interact with each other over the course of a few days and lots of stuff happens somewhat coincident to one another and some things linked. Um, but yeah, I really liked it for that. Like I kind of, and it's almost like an, like it's almost like an amuse bouche or something. It's like a little palate cleanser, you know, you're, you're getting this, it's different. And then I presume we'll get back to some kind of big chunky thing, either more reckless or something like more criminal again. And it's going to be great, but it's going to be very serious, very like humanity sucks. Like there's no good people. And, uh, and I think they do that really well, obviously, but, but this was kind of just more like quirky, like these people just have this like random series of circumstances, some of which end up being very tragic for them, but like almost like they just kind of happened into it. Like life is more random than we give it credit for. So I liked it a lot. And, and like we joked about, I mean, um, there's certainly been sex scenes in other Brubaker Phillips books, but, um, but, but there's a lot of fucking in this book. Yeah. This, this stuff felt, felt more real than any of the, the prior stuff. Like the other stuff felt like he was sort of like drawing, uh, a comic book sequence that had fucking or like a movie sequence that had fucking this just felt like fucking yeah uh, but for me the the formal stuff the the fourth wall breaking stuff um it felt like in reckless when they cut forward into the future and they said uh, what's the girl's name in reckless that we love um annie annie yeah, yeah when they reveal spoilers <clears throat> When they reveal that Annie dies at some point in the future, and we don't know when or how, uh, but that's like a sort of like out, like he comes outside of the narrative of the book and tells you that. Um, and and they did that. I think it was like at the end of the second one, or the maybe it was the first one where they jumped to the future, where you see like you know he's got a computer now and stuff like that. Um, it felt like Brubaker was like, oh, I'd love to do more stuff with that type of storytelling. Where, but in this one, he just uses it a lot more freely. Where, like in Reckless, he sort of sprinkles it in here and there, and then here he just uses it uh, almost like a lark. Where he's just like, "Yeah, that guy was never a cop," or the, you know, like <laughs> that wasn't true at all. You know, like somebody from from years later will pop in, almost like you're watching a documentary, and just go like, uh, you know, that that's not how it happened. This is what happened. Um, or even like when we get to this crazily when we get to the solution of the whole mystery of the book they're just like oh what about that though <laughs> you know like they step out of the narrative to be like what about the solution to the mystery of the whole book uh, yeah <laughs> through the course of the book like i did feel like it was a romance like because there were really sweet things like with the junkie girl and her boyfriend that like longed for her but like they sort of were like missing each other like you know she she there's this story about these two kids and they're both like drug addicts and the girl uh really liked this guy but so she liked him so much that she didn't want him to just be a fling so she just let herself like sow her wild oats but from his perspective he just sees her like fucking everyone else and not him and and so it is like this sort of like romantic heartbreaking like oh they would you know like they would have found each other and eventually they do find each other, but it is just sort of like he is playing a lot with sort of like, you know, playing on the heartstrings, playing on sort of like the dirty version of romance. Um, but, but being able to jump out of the narrative and say like, you know, later we got together or that's not how it went down or that's not how that actually happened. I thought what that can was, I tell my side of the story. Yeah, exactly. Like a, a interesting use of narrative. And it felt it reminded me of uh, when we read uh, uh, "It's Lonely at the Center of the Earth," just the not no adherence to regular traditional storytelling uh, setup, or he just sets up a 
a set of rules for this story that's different from the other stories that he's told before, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was fun. It was fun and confident in the same way that I thought like the Mignola stuff we were talking about earlier was confident where it's just like, look, I'm going to do another one of these hardcovers in three months. So let me just do whatever the fuck I feel like and see how it goes. Yeah. I'm fascinated by this whole idea that, that this and night fever were both by Brubaker's admission, um, projects that that they did in part because sean was getting didn't want to be bored he wanted to have to do something different and you got to respect that right because obviously we've talked right. a lot i mean this dude is is while brubaker could if he wanted write five other books with five other people each month you know sean's basically working with ed non-stop like full-time partners for 20 years now yeah um but i will say that that i had to kind of laugh when i read that this was again a thing where like sean wanted to do something different because i'm like bro like like do something really different. Like you're still telling human crime stories. Like, 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 like the difference is maybe that it's like different buildings, and different clothing. Yeah. Like, like, like do something fucking crazy. Do like a sci-fi book, you know, do like a horror book, like do something like, you know, that like really visually you have to draw completely different things. <laughs> right. Like that would be interesting. Yeah. This could easily, like if you change the words in it, this could be a reckless, or criminal. or criminal. I mean, it, like it's it's not as serious as criminal a lot of times. But if you just labeled it criminal, people like, oh, it's kind of he kind of went a little funnier for this one. But like it, it to me, it all all of this feels like it's in the same universe. And again, it's an amazing yeah. universe. Like it is. Like never once have we come on and said you shouldn't. All of you shouldn't go out and buy the Brubaker Phillips book or whatever it is. Like it's it's another good one to me. Like you absolutely buy it and enjoy it. But I'm just saying. But like. I would love for them to just blow us away and do like a comedy book or a fucking deep space fantasy book. Like just something where they're just completely telling a different story. Like, like I would love that just to see them just kind of just take us for a, a, a new spin. But yeah, that's interesting. Like, I wonder what those discussions are like where, you know, Sean <laughs> right. like, I want to do something different. And he's just like, well, what do you mean? He's just like, oh, you know, I want to draw like, you know, a different kind of neighborhood or maybe we could have yeah. a, a young girl that wears a cape and a, a mask and rides roller skates around, you know, like that's enough whimsy for him that he's, that's all he needed. Right. Like with night fever, he would just wanted to draw London, a place yeah. he said he wanted to draw a place that he knew personally. Yeah. So yeah. he's like, all right, dude, we'll put it in London. I'm like, all right, cool. And again, it was great. It was great. So like, it works. Like if they're happy, then keep doing it. But it just, it's, I just, I want like, just do something nutty. Just we're like, wait, what? Like, Phillips is drawing velociraptors? Like, what? <laughs> like, you I know, guess I mean. The best thing would have been um, well, they did those criminal one shots, the Savage Sword and the and the Deadly Hands. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of criminal. Um, and then I feel like there was a little bit of craziness in, in something. Well, Pulp had, had like cowboy stuff and Nazi stuff. But yeah. For yeah, that, it goes all the way back to like Marvel zombies, right? Well, yeah, yeah, that's the craziest thing Phillips has ever drawn, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't want to be that guy, but it's Anna. Thank you. Yeah, what do we say? Oh, no, you're right. You're right. She's my girl. Well, thank yep. you. This sounds good. I don't want to be that guy. It's right. Good. It's like, I'm not racist, but. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It sounds good. I'm going to have to. I mean, I just got to get a physical copy of it. You're gonna uh, it. I just forgot to order it. Inconceivable. Yeah, I just forgot. Or glossed over it, or uh, end of the story. Oh, it may have been it's, when uh, Image wasn't in previews for the, yeah, uh, the two months. Could have been, could have been, yeah. Uh, it's possible, yeah. yeah. But I will get it. I mean, there's a spot on my bookshelf reserved for it. 
There we go. Nice. Do we have anything else before we uh, bring this trailer back to the park? I think a little IYT is in order. Yeah, okay. Do your travel spins. I thank you. <laughs> I'm anagram challenged. In your tummy? In your tuchus? What? I don't know. Tuchus. Yeah. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us one more time around. We implore you to come back because it'll be more of the same. Next episode is the book of the month. Yes, it is. This month. It is World Without End. Whoop, whoop. By John Higgins and Jamie Delano. Yeah. Crazy Jamie. So come back for that. In the meantime, we really hope you have a great Christmas. Make sure that you record the Hallmark movies so you can watch them all summer. Go to the comic shop, buy some comics, love them, talk about them, come back here, tell us about them, Facebook, all the socials. In the meantime, or in your travels, right? Sure. You want to see an uh, an artist flex their creative muscles? Yes. Well, you should be reading Hackslash Back to School by Zoe Thorogood. Uh, specifically, this is issue number two. Zoe is like taking no prisoners on this book. Stylistically, it is. It, 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 there's a, a segment in this book where Cassie and the girls get sucked into a video game. It's, uh, it's called The Sad and Unfortunate Adventures of Frog Boy. They get sucked into the video game and the visuals turn into 8-bit, 8-bit pixel art. It's crazy. The, the, on one page, she'll go from her normal style or, or her, her, it's called the base Zoe Thurgood style and she'll, in one panel, in the next panel, it's a manga style. Exaggerated, like the, the, the twinkles in a character's eyes, just distorted anatomy. And then it'll go to an 8-bit uh, aesthetic, like on one page. It's, it's just crazy beautiful stuff. Uh, grotesque and gorgeous. And they're, like I, we said this before with uh, Center of, of, of the, the World, that there's, there's op art elements to her work. There's digital elements. There's uh, a, a style from which we've, we've come to associate with her. And then she branches out and does something totally different in the next panel. Like it's just, it's a visual feast. Um, it's, it's should have been called Cassie Hack Year One, but that's okay. You, you want to call it back to school? That's, that's fine. But uh, you should be reading it because um, if you haven't read Hack Slash, wow, it, it's going to be culture shock for you. Because it, it's 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 uh, it gives you a peek into the the early stages of this whole uh, magnificent beast that Tim Seeley has created. But uh, it's called uh, Zoe Thur- uh, Hackslash Back to School. Zoe Thorogood, just read it because it is it is a treat. A treat. Yes. Yeah, I gotta get sick. Um. And your travels. I, I, I just read this tonight before we started. Um, and I absolutely have been, uh, as much as I've been enjoying uh, this current volume of Superman, this ninth issue was fantastic. Uh, as recently, Superman has been um, taking on 
these two brothers, uh, Dr. Farm and, and Mr. Graft, and it's P-H-A-R-M, um, who have been uh, enhancing some of Superman's rogues. But in the recent issue, uh, a couple issues prior to nine, there was a gentleman by the name of Sam Stryker who was imprisoned because he has powers and Lex had imprisoned him and Superman accidentally inadvertently freed him. Um, unfortunately, this dude who looks like chamber drawn by uh, Chris hollow, um, it's called the chained and he was destroying Metropolis left and right because he's got a thing against Lex Luthor. And of course, because Superman is here working with Lex to a degree, um, Striker also decided to take that out on on Superman, um, poisoning him with kryptonite, and he was basically left for dead. And this issue starts off with um, with Lois reading a letter, um, and then we see that uh, and she started and 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 it's really touching story. It's it's a great letter from a from a boy who um, who Superman. Uh, Found, rescued, uh, the boy's name is Jamie, found Jamie's dog, Bucky, brought him home. A week later, Jamie's brother, Sean, uh, was shot during a bank robbery, um, and the ambulance was stuck in traffic. Superman swooped down, brought the ambulance to the hospital, saving saving his brother, uh, and she's breaking up in, in tears, and we see Superman is basically with these massive sun lamps getting healed uh and she's surrounded by sacks of mail and, and and she's basically just here keeping her husband company as he recuperates and we see some flashbacks uh with the two of them through the years but while all this is going on um there's a real touching moment when superman barely recovers and 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 climbs down out of the contraption that's uh that's that's healing him. Um, Lois is extremely happy that he's back, and then of course, Superman, being Superman, wants to get back at it and 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 go after Farm and Graft. Uh, but Mercy is reminding him that uh, basically any amount of kryptonite that he comes across can very well kill him. So uh, they bring out the Lex armor, which Superman tweaks. Um, and there is a uh, there's a neat scene where uh, where Superman shows up all armored out because uh, Doctor Farm is going to um, I guess enlist Marilyn Moonlight in uh, in his and his brother's endeavors, uh, but she's fighting back. Superman shows up, so now it's two on one. Um, and Graft, during the fight, um, blasts, he, he threatens Superman with his kryptonite claw. Um, and when, uh, when he goes to zap Superman, he's not aiming for Superman. He actually hits Marilyn. And when Superman runs or, or leaps towards her, there's a big bright light. Um, and... Superman 
and Marilyn Moonlight are both gone. They disappeared. And and Lex, of course, is in Superman's ear while this fight's going on. And all of a sudden, he hears nothing. Superman's gone. Um, Mercy no longer tracks him. No trace of him. And then for some reason, we cut to the Old West. And, uh, and, and there's a train leaving the Metropolis Station. Um, and, uh, uh, and there's like this old looking... There's this old woman on a train with um, with, the, with, with with two young boys. They're inventors. They're visionaries, even. Um, and uh, and precious cargo is is on this train. Um, and uh, and she says it's going to turn Metropolis into the city of tomorrow. And some cowboy walks in and says, "You should probably coin that phrase. It's pretty catchy." And it turns out the cowboy and his sidekick are Nighthawk and Cinnamon, who we haven't seen in ages. Um, and then we, uh, we see some, some dude on a horse galloping up towards the train, hops on the roof, Nighthawk and Cinnamon run up after him, uh, and, uh, they notice that this bandit doesn't, uh, doesn't carry any guns, but they draw theirs on him and then they start to get very hot. They drop the guns. And somebody says, uh, I don't like sidearms. If you kindly excuse me, I'm robbing this train. And this dude looks an awful lot like Superman. And that's where the issue ends. Titled the next issue is The Man of Yesterday. So it's they threw me for a loop with this going back in time. Can't wait to see how Williamson's going to uh, going to work this out. But this issue is actually drawn by um, Bruno Redondo, and it looks amazing. Uh but yeah, it was it was it was a fun little issue. I mean, it, it's nice to see Superman all healed and whatnot. And and uh, but yeah, I I absolutely as much as I enjoyed the previous issues, this one this one really um, put me in a good mood. So yeah, in your travels, Superman by Williamson Redondo and colored by Adriano Lucas. That's Redon Killis. That is. That's a good. One. Is there still Nightwing right now? What's he doing? Yeah, I mean, mean, oh, Tom Taylor's still doing Nightwing, yeah. Um, In your travels, if you didn't buy this for Magnetic, you're going to be mad at yourself because Mm. you should have. But fortunately, because Magnetic's badass, you can still buy it, even if you didn't do the Kickstarter. But uh, there is a gentleman by the name of George Bess. Hopefully many of you have heard of him. Best believe it. You best believe that. Um. He is in his mid-70s at this point, but he has had quite a few interesting periods of his career. And uh, I'm sure we've touched on him a few times over the years, but but nothing we never really like have given him a proper like artist spotlight. But um, but he uh, he I mean, I guess probably best known, I guess, for his Yodorowsky period. Fair to say, Vince, right? Like, I mean, that's probably what most people know him for, I would think, right? Like, yeah, I uh, yeah, I don't want to say uh, definitively, but I would guess. Yeah. yeah. So he did he did um, um, 14 books with Yodorovsky, uh, including a bunch of White Llama books, some Annabelle 5, and then Juan Solo, um, different OGNs from like a period of like late 80s to late 90s. Um, and then he started doing his own books. Um, he was very, he's, He's very much into like, um, like uh, the idea of like Buddhism and Tibetan culture. Like he, so he's written a lot about that, that all of that. Um, but in twenty, 
I think 2017 or 18, um, he had kind of stopped doing comics at least regularly and was doing um, fine art. You know, he was doing just big, big pieces, like wall-sized pieces. And uh, so he was doing a gallery show um, in France when his publisher, who at the time was Glenot, who's a well-known publisher there in France now, and they also are a, an art studio, Glenot's owners came to the show to support him. And um, they were blown away by like one particular giant piece. It was like a gothic piece, very, you know, full of, of all kinds of like macabre uh, imagery. And um, it had nothing to do with anything. It was just, you know, purely from his mind. But but it reminded the Glenot publisher of like this great like gothic storytelling like you'd see with uh, like, you know, your 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 classic horror tropes. And so long story short, they talked um, they talked Bess into doing a uh, graphic novel adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula. And that was wildly successful. And then he subsequently was asked by Glenot to follow that up. So he did a uh, adaptation of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein um, as well. And Magnetic got the rights to both of these beautiful books and put them out uh, in a two, two, a two collection set of the George Best collection. And uh, first of all, it's, it's magnetic. So, you know, the, the, the quality of the actual physical book is just a sight to behold there. Uh, same trade dress. The 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 only the main difference is that the Dracula book is uh, it's it's white. It's a white hardcover with with spot varnish black um, uh, illustration. But the Dracula is in a red metallic uh, out, overlay outline, and then the Frankenstein is silver. But uh, but but everything else like typography layout all the same, which I just love. Um, and. I would say, I mean, we, what was it? it was either a week or two ago we were talking about a bunch of different vampire books, and we kind of went off on on like that stuff. I would say, as someone who has read an inordinate amount of vampire stories, this is right up there with the best drawn vampire stuff I've ever seen. Um, I think best basically is he takes a true two book adaptation of both of these stories. Um, you know, if you're familiar with the source material, like you're going to get uh, what you're going to what you read is what you're going to get in these books. Um, I will say that that and I don't know if you thought this, Vince, because at least I know you looked through it. You didn't read it, per se. But this like visually from a story, like from a pacing perspective and the way the chapters are broken out and the the big beats of the book, it's very much like uh, Bram Stoker Dracula by Coppola. Like it's 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 kind of the same vibe as that. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because the scene where. Dracula in wolf beast bat form ravages yeah. Lucy on on top of the slab. Yeah, that's straight out of Coppola. I yeah, mean, it right. is really close. Yes, agreed, agreed. Um, but I admittedly wasn't all that familiar with Bess's artwork. Like I knew the name, but I hadn't read a lot of the work that he had done. In part because a lot of it hadn't been brought over here in English. Um, but I was just stunned by the art, and so much so that I that I thought, okay, well, here's dude in his mid-70s, and he's been doing stuff for, you know, 40 years. So, like, it's not a question of, like, oh, he looks like these modern artists. I'm thinking, like, they look like him. So then I, I got curious, and I thought, well, I wonder if these people have come on record as being influenced by him. And a few were. So, like, when I'm reading this book, I'm thinking, the Dracula book in particular, I'm thinking, like, this looks like Olivia Coipel. This looks like Jim Chung. You know, like, it's that kind of, like, laser-precise line, but with tons of 
different tricks, whether it be shading or heavy blacks or lots of cross-hatching, depending on the scene. So, like, a really accomplished, versatile artist. But, like, underlying it all are beautiful things, meaning, like, the women are beautiful, the men are handsome, even the creatures aren't, like, grotesque. They're very much, like, romanticized. They're, 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 uh, you know, ornate, but they're still, like, there's a, a there's, like, a, a, a symmetry to them, like, the, you know, the beauty of symmetry. Um, and I thought, wow, all of these artists that, like, I've always loved, like, like Pepe Loras, like, they all look like this dude. Like, and so I went and I looked and, like, I, I definitely saw interviews where both Quapel and Loras have credited, have said that Bess is one of their, you know, big influences. And I'm like, aha. So it was like this light went on. I'm like, oh, okay, great. So Bess is like a G for me now because obviously the people that have have adorned his style or been touched by it are some of my favorite modern comic book storytellers. So like these books are beautifully made. They're really well, I think, executed renditions of the source material. So if you're a traditionalist and you like the source material, you will adore these things. And I don't want to play favorites here because I thought they were both great. But like I will say that just because I tend to be more into uh, vampire mythology like the Dracula one for me is like if you had to only choose one I would say get the Dracula um, but ideally you just grab both of them and enjoy yourself yeah I think the Frankenstein got away from him where the the uh, his attention seemed to have wandered a little bit there there was nothing extraneous in the Dracula book but in the Frankenstein right, right. you get double page spreads of an owl and a wolf and a hawk or something and just massive stretches of, of wilderness. Like that's great. And the guy could draw like a son of a bitch. But, um, I think his attention was, was, um, not as, not as laser precise as it was on Dracula. Right. And Shelley's Frankenstein feels a little bit more like a travelogue, Right, like it, it does. Yeah, no, you're, you're you're right there, but I mean, there's a lot of drawings of of creatures other than the monster in this book. Like, I, I get the link between the the the, the feral um, yeah. animal verse and the monster. Like, okay, slam that home. But I, there there's just there are too many pretty drawings in Frankenstein that don't really serve the story. Right, and. I, I took issue with him introducing the Igor character to the because Igor's not in the original book, and right. then in, in here it's called Sven. Sven but yeah. I mean that's that's not a, a transgression. I mean if you want to tweak it, everyone if, if you if you interviewed a hundred people and and said you know asked them about the book Frankenstein, you mentioned oh that that one scene with Igor is really great. They'd be like yeah yeah Igor never appears in the book. It's it's a it's a movie thing. Where that's just the, the zeitgeist of Frankenstein. If Frankenstein, Victor has to have an Igor. So it's not out of place, but it's, it is if you're being faithful to the original novel, right? You know, this is something that maybe is totally unfair, but I'll, I'll ask you because, you know, because I know how much you care about the, what I'm about to mention, Vince in particular. But, you know, to me, it's like I'm reading both of these. And again, I think they're awesome and, and worth people's money and time. But like, as I'm reading the Dracula one, I'm thinking, like I just said, like, I think having read and or watched or, you know, or like many, many incarnations of Dracula, I think I could make the case that in terms of comic book, this is the best looking version of the original story I've seen visually. Like that would be, again, I, I, I haven't done like a full audit, but in my mind, I'm like, I could see like thinking this is the best I've ever seen Dracula drawn. Whereas, um, 
And again, I'm, yeah, I'm putting the Marvel version of Dracula. Like, the, like that's its own thing to me. That's not right. That's it's Dracula in name, but it's that's a different thing. I'm talking about the Bram Stoker Dracula. Um, whereas with this, the, the Frankenstein, like again, I think it's beautiful. But I'm reading it like I'm and unfairly thinking like, yeah, but Wrightson though. I mean, like, where like, do you <laughs> where do you go from Wrightson? No, Down. that's the thing. And it's right. like, so for me, it's like I don't think you could credibly say this is a more impressive right. take on Frankenstein than what Ryzen gave us. Yeah. And it's really not fair to like compare them, but, but like in my mind, that's where I went. Whereas like, I get, I, I can't offhand think of a graphic novel adaptation of Dracula that I say like, Oh, that's, that's, you know, it doesn't hold a candle to that. I don't think this Frankenstein holds a candle to Wrightson because what does. Right. But like, so, so to me, it's like, okay, if you tell someone like, I want to read Frankenstein in comics, like we'll get the, get the, get the Bernie Wrightson and stuff. Whereas with Dracula, I think it could be the best adaptation of the classic Dracula story ever. So, um, yeah. What's that? Better than Mignola? Yeah, just different, right? I mean... I mean, that is adaptation of the... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that's up there too, for sure. I mean, that's great. I'm not going to... I can't... How can I say anything bad about that? But, yeah. But just for me, I think, like, because the source material is romantic... Right, it's gothic romance. Like this particular style, I think works really well for it. Like to me, like Dracula's brides should be gorgeous, right? Like they yeah. should, like 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 Harkness and Lucy should be beautiful. Like in my like, just because I think that's what was intended in the book, um, right? Whereas like, so so yeah, I'll say I think I think this stands up to that at least, if not for me a little better. But but again, we're talking high praise, so. I've seen uh, it's been on the shelf in my shop for the past few weeks, and I didn't know what it was exactly. So I'll go. I'll I think it. a lot of people weren't sure what this was. You know, like just like they weren't sure if it was like old material, just like reprinted from something. You know, um, and even I didn't realize until after I had already backed it that it was relatively new stuff. And then you were on the risk of like, okay, best maybe a G, but like, is dude doing his best work in his seventies? But uh, let me tell you something. <laughs> I mean, guy was like. If I'm doing the math right, he was like 71 when he drew the Dracula book. Like that is insanity to me, because this is just—I mean, it looks like it's from the hand of a in their prime, you know, 35-year-old artist, right? Love that. That's right. Love. Uh, you want me to do mine? We ready? Better. It's like it's his first time on the show. Like he doesn't know how it works. Well, I didn't—I didn't know if you had closed out if you were still going. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're good. Uh, in your travels, uh, first of all, uh, make sure that you tell your shop you want feral. Uh, pre-order that. When's FOC? FOC is not until February, so you got time. Okay. Uh, but, you know, the sooner the better. It would make me feel much better if you just ran out and did it right away. <laughs> uh, day after – not day Two days after Christmas, the next Wednesday, uh, new issue of Local Man, which, like I said, uh, the single issue is going to be different from any other reprints. So even if you read that in trade, I would say pick up this single issue, issue eight. Um, and a new issue of Army of Darkness uh, Forever comes out on the 27th too. So check those out. But uh, my actual in your travels uh, from Boom Studios and from David and Maria Lapham is Under Heist, number one. Um, uh, David Lapham, one of my favorite creators of all time, Straight Bullets, maybe a perfect comic book. Only un- imperfect in that it's not finished and that he always just seems to stop for years at a time. Um, but this book feels, you know, like a lot of his stuff, feels Straight Bullets-y. It's, 
he always writes about these characters that like the Baxter, what's up, bud? You want this treat? Doa. Hold on. He writes these characters that uh, really should just not have fucked around. Like if they just hadn't <laughs> fucked around, everything would be fine. They wouldn't have found out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like David Lapham is like a master of like people who are just sort of in a little bit of trouble, and then they get into a ton more trouble just by <clears throat> fucking around. And and that's what happens in this book. It's a story about these people who are sort of like getting by okay. Things aren't going great, uh, but they decide to rob people who are robbing a bank. They they find out that these people are going to rob a bank and that they're planning on escaping through the tunnels uh, down in the subway. And these people are like subway construction workers, so they know those tunnels. And so they decide, like, all right, well, we're going to rob them. Uh, and everything goes to shit, of course. Uh, and that's just the first issue of this thing, so we assume there's going to be a lot of twists and turns. Um, but just the idea of robbing robbers underground, under heist, uh, like it's a cool idea, and it's the the Laphams, you know, obviously really confident crime storytellers. They just, it just you just jump right into it, and and they handle everything with great aplomb. Uh, big thumbs up on this book, and it's in color, which uh, mm. often David Lapham is not colorist is Hillary Jenkins. Um, and yeah, it looks great. Under Heist number one from Boom Studios. Laphams. Look at that. Amazing. I agree with you about that hack slash. I thought that second issue was great. She really does. Uh, she jumps around uh, in the form of comic storytelling. Yeah. Uh, very freely. I love Pretty that. Pretty effortlessly it. to me. Yeah. And cosplaying too as the character. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just stop. Stop. Just going out there, catching COVID every which way. Yeah, she it's true. Steps out her door. She's struck down by COVID. She is a COVID magnet. <laughs> yes. Jason, uh, add this to your Dracula adaptation uh, stack. Fernando Fernandez did an adaptation. Okay. I. That's my my pinnacle. All right. Mm. Fully fully painted. I I don't remember when it came out. Maybe early nineties. Uh, it's one volume. It's it's a slim volume. It doesn't cover every aspect of the story because Dracula is a huge book, right? But you can still get it. And um, yeah, I love that book. Looks like Basil Gogos. Yes, there's a strong Gogos oh, yeah. vibe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What was the one we talked about on here before that Fanographics put out? I got that one, uh, and it's a guy that like draws in many different styles. But this oh, is like paint Breccia, Breccia. Yeah. Bre- oh yeah. yeah, that one's great. Yeah. yeah, but that one's a little against. We the just grain. talked about drag, the, the the manga adaptation of it. What drag, yeah, Dracula. D R C L. Yeah, and then Dracula X Frankenstein. We talked about that not too long ago. The Universal Monsters is doing a Dracula right now. That yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. yeah, yeah. Sidman's a lot of Draculas. Well, wow, this the, thing you're talking about looks dope. It's great. Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, but again, public domain. Right? Yeah. What publisher isn't going to take a bite out of Dracula if they don't have to pay rights for the original story? Why would Oh, you? this looks good, man. Yeah. I have like three copies of it. Oh my God, what? There's three yeah. of us. Because, no. Something in the mail, bro. Because, stop. Because I, there's one I read very frequently, and then the other two are there for archival uh, purposes. Oh, you are something else. 
right? I love it. It's great. But yeah, yeah it, an omnibus, and he's like, "Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate oh, that." Oh man, it's like, oh, I got seventeen copies of this, but I need one for each of my it's like twenty-five bucks here. On eBay. Oh, it's cheaper than that. That's not, that's well, more than the cover. Fifty bucks. How much? Fifteen. There you go. Yeah, that's about 15? that. Yeah, I think 15. that's about the cover. Zero. Oh no, that's twenty-five before you get to it. That's too much. I think I paid like. Eight bucks for it when I bought it. Well, there I you go. It was seventies. No, it was a remainder. <laughs> it was at a local stop. <laughs> Cox. Oh, shit, we should do a, an overall, an overview of all of the times, uh, all of the instances of Dracula being uh, adapted. There'd be, be a lot of books. There would be. Yeah. Be a month long yeah. special. There you go. All right, everybody, please go have a great Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Happy wrapping Hanukkah wrapped up. I hope you had a great Hanukkah. Yep. Happy Kwanzaa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dude, the Hanukkah Hallmark episodes are better than the regular Christmas ones. They're staying, right? Yeah. Really? Oh, Best yeah. Of, of course. They seem to be investing a lot of time and attention into the, the, the Jewish-based ones, which is good, right? Damn right. Yeah, there we go. Um, go buy, like I said, uh, please, if you want to save money on, on comics, go to cheapgraphicnovels.com. Omnibu, collected editions, trade paperbacks, which are the same thing, um, manga, OGNs, all that stuff, way below list price. And visit our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Massive changes coming, so keep an eye on it if you want. Um, but as usual, there's audio, hours and hours of audio that no one else gets to hear, video, Jason's deep into the advent calendar as usual, mm. comic pages, comic covers, fanzine downloads, polls, the dedicated Slack channel. Like It's a whole lot of shaking going on. <clears throat> so check out that out, uh, 11 o'clock comics uh, Patreon page. I did it backwards, but you know the drill. You've heard it enough. And in the meantime, say goodnight. Dashing through the snow. <laughs> Over the field we go. David all the way. David all the way. <laughs> David. Is that it? No, David was at the end of that. Uh, okay. Which was the David? The, the second one. Second one. Third David. Good night. What it is about a cat that they shit... When you're doing something important. Whenever we're eating dinner. Right. Why? What is it? And, and she usually Wild yells creatures. when he gets out like Renee doesn't know. Like he's got to fucking, like, like she's got to jump to clean it right then and there. David. It's insane. Oh, no. Too early. Too early, my man. I don't know about that. I think and he nailed it. It's a Christmas miracle. You always think he nailed it. I do. So I give him the benefit of the doubt. It's not wrong. Like it's weird. She'll cover it. But not if I'm doing something important. She's like, smell my shit, bitch. That's it. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. I own you. Yeah, pretty what much. What are you boys doing for Christmas? Vince, you said you're doing the Feast of the Seven Fishes? Yes, and we have uh, about 30 people coming to the house. Mamma mia. Yeah, I'll be there like three. <laughs> Show if, up for fish number four. If you ever came, I would be like, this is the best Christmas ever. <gasps> oh, I would love to have the Seven Fishes so that we can make this happen. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I marry an Italian. I don't know how I marry an Italian woman. I never get the pieces of fishes. Yeah, but I think that's an acceptable loss. 
Fair enough. Yeah, yes. trade off yeah, works. Yeah, very. Yeah, it works. Yeah, it's, 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 forget about it. No, nah, you're right about that. But I don't think we're having seven this year. We may have five. <gasps> I don't. Oh. I don't know how it's working out. But um, it, it eventually will be seven, I guess, because somebody will bring smelts or, or shrimp or something. Shrimps, yeah. You ever have smelts? Smelts are the best. Of course. Yep. I'm trying to go to whoever smelted dealt with you. Know what I'm saying. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> You're so stupid. <laughs> I what believe. Are you doing, please? What are you doing for Christmas? What's your Christmas ritual? I'm flying to my folks's on Saturday, and then we'll be. Oh my! Looks like my do not disturb turned off. Uh, I'm going to my folks on Saturday, and then um, I'll fly back on, the, I think, the following Wednesday on the 27th. Um, but we'll just do Christmas with my folks. We used to have dinner over there. and uh, But I, I try to get a midnight mass going because I like to take the, the brothers and sisters. My parents no longer give a shit about church, uh, but my and, and I don't give a shit about church, but I love singing Christmas carols. Aww. So I like to get the sibs together and, and go – get dressed up nice and go out to a midnight mass and, oh. and sing Christmas carols. But last year we went to Episcopalian, which was very beautiful pageantry, but their Christmas carols are way different. We didn't yeah, know what any of the fucking songs were. <laughs> we're just like, what is this? <laughs> Talking about, I need O Come O Come Emmanuel. Do you do the, the, uh, the uncle, like, like uncle get everybody gifts or do you, do you guys do like, do you we, buy gifts? we pick names. Uh, uh, so I have my niece this year who's 16. She just wants a Sephora gift card. And and I got my mom's name, so I had to figure out what to go. I was trying to figure out uh, what's the going rate for a niece gift card these days. Like, how much are we going? For? I'm gonna do fifty bucks. If it was a stray dog's year, I'd give her a hundred bucks. But we're... <laughs> the next year, whoever gets going to get that feral money, they're going to be like a hundred bucks. They're going to get. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Thank you, Pussycat. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. yeah right. Fifty seems right. I was. I think like I, I I noticed at some point with my kids, uh, like the birthday gifts went from like. Twenty dollars to like suddenly we were doing like fifty and I was like damn what I'm like birthday gets inflation. Well, when when I uh, had previously been a dink to will income no kids, uh, we used to love to ball out. Whoever like na- name we got for Christmas, it was just like oh this is great. We can make everyone else look foolish, you know, spend <laughs> hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, just come in heavy. Uh, so we like to do that. Uh, but yeah, this year's a little tight, so I'm gonna do about fifty bucks. There you go. All right. You know the drill. Tell them you love them so much. So much. We really do at this particular time of year as well. So, yeah. yeah. Merry, well, yeah, Merry Christmas. Sh- Happy holidays. Be, uh, love y'all. Love y'all. That's it for that one. <laughs> <laughs>